0: Everybody and welcome to the min max show a place about games friends are getting better i'm ben hansen and i want to thank you all for being here i'm joined by jeff Markiafava. hello i'm joined by janet garcia hello i just realized introducing people on a podcast is an inherently weird thing to do they just say hello and then kyle hilliard hey what's up hey i got a new hoodie oh got nice too proud cool man yeah if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app you can always check us out on youtube or vice versa uh this is a big show this is the type of show that i have to strap myself into my chair for because this is a juggernaut we are talking about the big news of the week microsoft has purchased activision blizzard we are going to try to wrap our minds around that one jeff i'm counting on you to be super smart when talking about that please No. Great. We're also going to be talking about Nobody Saves the World, the new action RPG from Drinkbox, which I'm trying to talk about. Uh, Then we'll be joined by Kelsey Lewin from the Video Game History Foundation, and we'll be talking, of course, about Mother 3 and other Game Boy Advance RPGs that we want to talk about, damn it. Uh, Then back half of the show, Sarah Pazorsky is joining us, and we're going to be answering a bunch of great community questions submitted over there on Patreon. I... all right, let's dive into this sucker. Jeff, um, I, I want your version. I want your version of reality. Walk me through you seeing the news about Microsoft right. buying Activision Blizzard on Tuesday.
1: Well, it started with me looking at my phone and yeah. Hanson saying, Hey, do you want to record a special podcast about the Activision Microsoft news? And I was like, Oh, God, what <laughs> happened now? Uh, and then I looked it up and. You said, oh, God, what's happened now? Yeah, I, I, you know, scrolled through some stuff, read about it. And I guess the first thing I thought was like. 68 billion is 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 there like a is there going to be a 2021 discount in there for how much they're paying for that? Or is that counting everything that's happened in the past year?
0: So they're buying out every share, what, at ninety five dollars. So it's kind of a bump up from where they're at. Now, but it, just for zooming out a little bit, everybody, if you haven't heard the news, Microsoft they make the xbox uh they purchased Activision Blizzard, so Microsoft now owns call of
1: duty warcraft <laughs> which 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 somehow like when I was thinking about it, it was like, okay, Activision buys. Or Microsoft buys Activision Blizzard. That's big news, certainly. Somehow yeah. it feels like if the headline had just been Activision buys Call of Duty, it would, it would, it seems even bigger to me. And then you think, <laughs> oh yeah, Activision also buys World of Warcraft and Activision buys Overwatch and Diablo and a million other pitfalls.
0: Uh, Pitfall? This is kind of, this is why it's such a juggernaut. It's the type of news that comes along once. A couple times a lifetime, if you're following gaming news, just one of those like, what? Like we all freaked out about the Bethesda news from 2020, and now that's a laugh. That would be, you know, just a, a tiny sliver of this overall discussion here, because this is so gigantic. And like you mentioned, Jeffum, this is 68.7 billion dollars, 10,000 employees. Uh, Kyle, how are you feeling about this? What was your gut reaction? I mean, it was definitely like, I just,
2: my alarm went off, you know, normally. And I was just like, oh, let me, before I get out of bed, let me see what's going on in the world. And uh-huh. it was like, it was like a weird jolt of like coffee or something where I was just yes. like, well, woke me up. That is bizarre. <laughs> that is insane.
0: And then it's just uh, like an entire day of continuing to chew on it. At least for me, of still yeah. just thinking we're like, oh my God, then what about this? You know, I tweeted out last night, but it's like, it's so insane that Tim Schafer and Bobby Kotick are now, Co workers, you know, like Beefcake <laughs> uh, submitted a comment here in Patreon where just and he said, Double Fine presents Tony Hawk's American Wasteland 2. John Ricciardi said, World of Minecraft. It's like, oh my God, it is so insane thinking about all the stuff that Microsoft now owns. It's everything.
2: Yeah. And then, and then <laughs> Thank sort you. Of secondary reaction is like, <laughs> is this a good thing? And like on a consumer level, feels like a positive. Right. Like Game Pass will grow even more. It is, so it's but like it's a tricky one. Right. Everything outside of That I feel like is like asterisks and like, I don't know if that's better. I don't know if that's
0: good news. You know? Yeah. So we, we sent out a Twitter poll just asking, is this a good thing? Thirty seven point six percent of people said yes. Thirty nine point seven percent of people said no. If you want to be, you know, shallow about it, but realistic for people out there, it's like, well, that means a lot more games are coming to Game Pass. That means, hey, probably at some point, uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which Xbox now owns, that'll be coming to Game Pass. All of these Activision games, all of the Call of Duty games at some point are probably going to drop in the most ridiculous Game Pass drop of all time on the first. When is Game Pass
3: going to cost more?
0: That's exactly the question, right? We had like se-
3: my my brother was, you know, he's heavy into Xbox at this moment, um, and he's like, he's always joking about like, oh yeah, like you know, Team X. He's not actually like into the console war stuff, but you know, just as a as a gaff. And he's like, man, I need to buy six years of Game Pass Ultimate, please. And I'm like, just yes. watch the shit. That's kind of like my advice for like that okay. deal. Like, look for sales and just like I got six months for him for Christmas for the price of like three months. Um, but yeah, like there's no way it's going to stay that I'd be shocked if it stays that price for much longer, especially looking at Netflix's, you know, the the Netflix of gaming, you know, Netflix also has like gone up in the last like seven years from seven bucks for like the mid tier Netflix to now it's like $16.
0: Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, the sale's not going through until fiscal year 2023. So there's still some room, but maybe they'll keep it at 15 for a while and then slowly start to ratchet up and fall into that classic. Trap of what are you gonna do? Not have unlimited access to all of these games? It's still, even if they up it at that point, it's still probably gonna be a hell of a deal, even if it goes up to 20. Um, so yeah. huge. My first reaction was like, Well, there goes all of Phil Spencer's goodwill. I feel like he has done a masterful job over the last decade at this point, at least five years, of really being like, okay. Yeah, he's a corporate guy, but he seems to understand where gamers are coming from most of the time. He plays games. He's cool. And now the fact that he's hitching his wagon he to the Bobby Kotick. What's that? I said he got mad at me once because I hadn't played Molasses Flood.
3: That's, that's a
0: hardcore gamer. I wouldn't even get mad did, at you about that guy.
2: Did
3: you play Molasses Flood?
0: No, I never did. I'm not going to do it. Phil
2: Why have
3: you me. still like, okay, that's fair. That's
2: fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Sorry to cut you off. It was just a funny thing where he was like talking about Molasses Flood with a small group of journalists, and like none of us had played it. And he was like, "You guys are all like professional game, <laughs> video game people. I've played Molasses Flood. You
0: guys haven't played Molasses Flood yet." And I was like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, like, maybe
3: if you guys sent codes earlier, we'd be able to find the time. But you know, just just thinking out loud.
0: <laughs> hang on, Molasses Flood is the name of the developer, right? Uh, well, yeah. What was the game? What was that I, game? The first one about going down the river. The like flood, right?
3: That should be the next poll on MinMax's Twitter. The like, have you played Molasses? Fl- like, if the you flood. know, you know.
0: Yeah, Flame in the Flood from <laughs> Molasses Flood. Oh, yeah, yeah y'all have
3: a flood in Flood? I mean, yeah, that's, that's a little surprising. I mean, I didn't beat it or anything, but, like, I booted it up. We all know? booted but that it was up. Like, that was, like, two years ago, though.
0: So, more games on Game Pass. Plus side. Downside, obviously. Uh, hey, competition's good, and when one company in the great video games arms race just says, yeah, we'll just go ahead and, uh, buy everybody, there's nothing really you can do about it, everybody else, uh, this is gonna get one lop, like, just bizarre and lopsided and uneven and a little bit scary. Like, it is just, if they do something which I would consider to be inevitable of just, hey, now Call of Duty... Is exclusive. Now Overwatch that 2 one, is exclusive. I mean, that's game I over. I think
3: with those games, but I think with those games, like they're so contingent on having a wide player base. Like I was talking to my boyfriend about this like in the kitchen yesterday, like just randomly making doing a podcast while eating pizza. Um but I was like, he's like Call of Duty is Call of Duty because of its massive player base, and to get yeah. rid of that seems like you're you're cutting into your own money that you invested in by doing something like that. Now I think like with Starfield and stuff where people were like is that going to be exclusive? I think that made sense because it's like a single player experience. It's like essentially if they're lucky, the next fallout, like, you know, if they were able to have some something as massively successful of that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they're just kind of different things. So I don't think we'd see that. I think the most we'd see would be, um, you know, Call of Duty currently has like a nice setup with PlayStation in terms of this comes early to PlayStation. Or there might be demo or early access or like little you know, weekend buffs or what have you. I think we'll see stuff like that associated with Game Pass. Like, you'll see more... Like, the more privileged experience of Call of Duty will be on Xbox now, as it used to right. be on PlayStation, like, the years prior, is what my guess would be for that.
0: Yeah, and there, there is some reporting that it's going to be that kind of bonus thing, basically what PlayStation has. I mean, Microsoft had the Call of Duty big collaboration for years and years before it switched over to PlayStation, so it's going to mm-hmm. be kind of going back to that. At the same time... It, I I don't know. Like I think so their, their messaging officially is uh here we go. Let's see where is this. So according to Bloomberg, um Phil Spencer says, "I'll just say to players out there who are playing Activision Blizzard games on Sony's platform, it's not our intent to pull communities away from that platform and we remained committed to that." Uh so it's that weird wording where it's like, "Hey, You could be clear if you wanted to. You could be clear in saying Call of Duty will remain multi-platform. The fact that they're not saying that, and they said so much similar stuff about Elder Scrolls when they purchased Bethesda and everybody freaking out. And now, I mean, the wording is still a little bit confusing, but it certainly seems like Elder Scrolls 6 is going to be a PC and Xbox exclusive. So... They could be clear why they're not being clear, I think is clear, which is that if they say Call of Duty and all of Blizzard stuff and Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and everything is going to be exclusive to Xbox, good luck Sony. I think PlayStation is bleeding.
1: Yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you're definitely not going to say that until you have to, which is right. going to be, well, you know, the deal doesn't go through till 2023. Yeah, And then you got to make another Call of Duty that you're going to hold off on people. It it's like the under the underlying thing of all of this. I I always I feel like there there must be a secret lesson in business class that like tells people how to actually evaluate the money for big deals like this. Because if you broke this down into grade school math and you were like, "Hey, hey, I just I just spent sixty eight dollars." And now I own three things that are each worth a dollar. Like that's, that just sounds terrible. And, and and like that, that's, that's what Phil Spencer's quote was like, like we now own three, you know, billion dollar franchises or trillion dollar, whatever it was. And it's like, like none of this math makes any, any sense to me. It's all, and, and I don't know like how, and, and that gets, that gets to Janet's thing of like, well, yeah. Okay. You know. Call of Duty's worth a billion dollars or whatever. What happens if you chop off a third of that revenue because you want people, or is is Game Pass just that important to them that you know they'll they'll take whatever losses they well, they would get from Sony in the future? Too. I think so. I think so.
3: The idea of like you know the you don't have to make Call of Duty exclusive to like get financial benefits. Like one, the fact that you own it, you're like, go ahead, buy it wherever. We're still making money off of that is one. And then two, if you had call of duty on like game pass for instance that's still enough of an appeal point that could get people to make the switch and or invest in game pass in an era that they might not have previously like it's still a huge like win in that regard like you don't necessarily need to make that one exclusive i do think for the single player stuff like you probably would see like exclusives or at least windows or something like i can't imagine them making like a new crash game and that's I'd be surprised if that was multi-plat, like if they yeah. didn't end up even doing that. Um, but which is so weird. <laughs> but it's so you know, bizarre just, to that's, think that's, about. That's, that's how it is. I was like, this I texted Blessing. I'm like, this is why Crash lost the character bracket for Best PlayStation <laughs> character. <laughs> oh, that you're not that even stinks. here anymore. Where are you? Right? Like, you, you know, like it you you lasted like three more months after that. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like, on, episode, on, the, so on the
0: flip side of that, like I remember talking to Matt Booty, who's the head of studios over there at Xbox. Um, about Double Fine and the acquisition of Double Fine and he said something surprising in that interview where he said that like, oh after Psychonauts 2 like I still think Double Fine's games will be multi-platform because it feels like it's just that type of studio that we want that to hit as many people as possible and maybe they're thinking we'll have changed but that was another weird one where it's like okay so it's just a case by case basis which ones will be exclusive and which ones won't so it's even tougher to try and predict what they're thinking for the future
2: I don't think there's a world where Call of Duty is exclusive I think that's kind of absurd five years from now
0: five years from now you don't think it's exclusive i think it's absolutely exclusive within five years i don't think so
2: if they didn't make minecraft exclusive they're not going to make call of duty exclusive yeah
0: i think but with minecraft there's not a new game that they're marketing each and every year and maybe they'll slow this down uh and change up the development for call of duty because it's definitely they've been sprinting for a long time releasing these call of duty games every single year but over the last several years They've started to stumble, and it feels like they're like managing to get them out the door, but it's struggling a little bit. Um, starting with you know Blackout's Cold War, just,
2: the ill will they would garner from doing that just wouldn't be worth it. People would be so mad. Like, i i think people would, really would be, be more it.
1: ill will than making elder scrolls exclusive yeah exactly or any of bethesda's yeah. games i think i think, it, call I think of Duty it would. is
3: so much more like mainstreamed than like elder scrolls like there are people play call of duty that have never heard of elder scrolls you oh, know like
2: i absolutely. think the best but i i think i think that almost none of us in this
1: room played it like kyle if you I, want to i point, I, I, I know, like, fix I know your mike mic. <laughs> I, I I think the mainstream thing, though, kind of works in their favor that, you know, five years from now, you could be like, hey, play the new Call of Duty. It's on Xbox mm-hmm. and people are going to and the mainstream people are going to be like, OK, I'm going to go buy an Xbox and I'm going to play the one game that I play every year. And they probably they I, I doubt they have the same kind of like weird team loyalty that very hardcore gamers do.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's anecdotal, but like Dan Riker was talking about, he's talking to a coworker about. Just yesterday, they said they wanted to get a console. Which one should they get? It's like, uh, I guess you just have to get Xbox at this point. Like, if you care at all about these big franchises, you just cannot ignore it. And, you know, I had friends texting me, like, why would Activision do this? And just, you know, like you mentioned the sales of Vanguard, Kyle. Like, uh, the best-selling games for the last, uh, from 2010 to 2019, uh, the best-selling games of the year, 10 of those were Call of Duty games. Uh... (laughs) It's just absurd. And the best-selling game by year, it's like, okay, 2007 is Guitar Hero 3, which is strange, but like, okay, there's an Activision game. Then it was Rock Band. Then 2009, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Then Halo Reach. Then Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Then Call of Duty Black Ops. Then Grand Theft Auto 5. Then Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Then Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Then Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Then Call of Duty World War 2. I mean, it just does not stop with the number of sales here. And, of course, Microsoft's messaging which people like to dunk on New York Times for explaining this in their tweet about it. But like Microsoft's messaging in that post is, hey, everybody, this acquisition will accelerate the growth in Microsoft's gaming business across mobile PC, console, and cloud, and will provide building blocks for the metaverse. And then Satya Nadella, the chairman and CEO of Microsoft says, gaming is the most dynamic and exciting category in entertainment across all platforms today and will play a key role in the development of metaverse platforms. So you talk about like funny money, Jeffem. It is, you know, somebody, I forget who it was, somebody tweeted that, like, Metaverse is just the stock go upward. And I do think there's something about it. It's like, okay, what seems to be the trends in the tech space? We have billions of dollars to spend. Seems like Metaverse, okay, that's something to do with gaming. How can we secure our place in the future for clearly gaming is going to be an important part of the future? All right, how much money do we have to spend? Whatever. Here's $70 billion, lock it down. And then they win.
1: Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't just start shouting NFT, NFT, (laughs) you know, in the middle of that. It's like...
0: Yeah, uh, we. Uh, I also polled people on Twitter, uh, Minimax followers there, and asked, who has the strongest first party now? Assuming that this deal goes through and there's not antitrust stuff, which Jason Trier out there on Twitter was like, maybe that'll come up. But I don't think there's still other gaming companies out there, Tencent and whatnot. It'd be tough to argue this is a monopoly in that sense. But anyways, who has the strongest first party poll? Microsoft wins it now 40.7%. Then Sony with 31, then Nintendo with only 27, which I thought was surprisingly low for. I you know, was thinking that I, too.
2: I was trying still to think without. Purpose, I would still. I still think Nintendo has a really strong argument just in terms of like notoriety and like knowability of their characters and things like that. Like Mario's going to go a lot further than Call of Duty just in terms of like being known around the world.
0: Yeah, but what does the Mario metaverse really look like? I don't understand it. So therefore, how good can it be? Um, yeah, we had uh, Burton. <laughs> mm, it's coming. Burton Cognito yeah. <laughs> submitted a question over on Patreon and said, Is it time for us to stop mentally pairing Sony and Microsoft as competitors and begin viewing Sony more along the lines of a Nintendo, a rich IP holder, but not a multi trillion dollar software company with all the motivation of the world to swallow up the gaming industry?
3: No. No? Why's
0: <laughs> no. Be- Why is that? No.
3: Because we're having this conversation, number one. Like, I think um, it's funny because, well, people will rarely admit that they're wrong you know on the internet obviously but it's i was you know, having this conversation with my boyfriend yesterday where i would i'm like on ps i love you which is kind of my playstation podcast that i do over there people are always complaining in the comments about why do you guys bring up like game pass you bring up the nintendo like why do you bring up these other things like it has nothing to do with this is a playstation podcast and obviously like i just ignore that because it's mm-hmm. nonsense but um those same people Hey, what do you guys think of Activision? I thought it had nothing to do with us. It does. The fact is it does because it's the same market. And when you have friends ask you casually, what should I get? The question is PlayStation or Xbox. Like Mm -hmm. no one really brings up Nintendo. Like you get Nintendo if you want Nintendo. The only person asking Nintendo, PlayStation or Xbox is maybe a child who literally only gets to have one console and they ha- they do have to think of all three, but for the most part, like no one's really asking that. Like if they're asking about the switch there, it's should I get a switch or not? Or should I wait or not? Not do I get Nintendo or PlayStation? They're right. so different. Like they're because and it's going to remain that way because for as long as you can play so many of those games, multi-platform like, Until, depending on what Microsoft does with their, like, most recent acquisitions and their acquisitions in general, there's yet to be a big conversation on, oh, well, if you want to play Activision Blizzard games, you need Xbox. If that happens, then I think they're still going to be compared, though, because so many games, like, when games come out right now, if they're on everywhere, it's Microsoft and PlayStation, sometimes they're on Switch. Like, you'd have to mention if it's on Switch. Like, there's so many releases I see where I'm like, oh, it's on everything, Except Switch, but, you know, stuff's never on Switch. That's always how I couch it. Um, that Until they don't have those things in conversation, they're always going to be paired together because they are, like, very directly competing because they have... The same kind of games you can play, you can play on both of them for the most part. And there are some exclusives like, you know, the Halos, The Last of Us, stuff like that. Right. We'll see if Microsoft is going to actually beef up their exclusives with this acquisition. Or are they just going to be making more money off of stuff, which is like a different conversation. Like, I don't care who's making money off of what. I'm I'm trying to figure out where I'm playing my games and what I should invest in.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, Nintendo... Nintendo has chosen to live in like their little walled garden of we're only going to make but Sony is being pushed into that same walled garden I think is an interesting but it's not a yeah. choice it, it's it's not like Sony is saying hey we don't want third party games I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm sure their their hair's on fire over there oh, and yeah. they're scrambling around to figure out what they're going to do but as but that's that has to be like a really deliberate choice, I think, in order to say, okay, well, Sony just does their own thing now. Like there's always gonna be more developers rising up from, you know, kind of that like double A indie space to become bigger, you know, better developers and making these kind of games. And I'm sure Sony's still going to want them on their platforms as long as as long as the hardware is comparable, like Janet was saying, the that opportunity is always going to be there for third party developers and nothing about what Sony has done at this point is saying that they're not interested in trying to in continuing to court those different companies.
0: They're going to continue to try for sure. And I'm not saying Sony's dead in the water completely, but like this is, this could be damaging 10 years from now to the
2: PlayStation brand. It is going to
1: be a big deal. It's such a weird, it's such a weird thing. And I think it was mentioned on our, on our Slack that like just in the past year, like, so you have Activision and you have Bethesda's games now on Game Pass, mm-hmm. but you also have EA Play and you also have Ubisoft Plus. Yeah, it's like what isn't on Game Pass at at this point? And I'm 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 sure it's only a matter of time. There have already been rumors that Sony is going to revamp, you know, PlayStation Plus and make it into some kind of service that's going to offer more games in yeah. this way. What is the code but name it, for that again, Janet?
0: Some... What is that?
3: Remember? Oh, um, what is. The cool oh, name? It's called uh, Spartacus. Spartacus, um, yes. Also, a quick clarification. X- Game Pass does not have Ubisoft Plus. X- Xbox will have Ubisoft Plus. Ubisoft Plus is Ubisoft's Game Pass, essentially. So they, it's like 15 bucks. You get access to all their games. So they don't currently have the relationship they have with EA Play, which EA Play's relationship on Game Pass is also not a holistic relationship. It allows you x amount of hour access basically it's free ea play and free ea play is very nerfed it's not like you get fifa for free it's like you get eight hours of fifa for free unless you have an ea play subscription so just to clarify because people were excited about ubisoft being rolled into game pass i think that could still happen but currently they're talking about bringing that service to console as it's only on pc right now
0: yeah Um, right right So uh, Bobby Kotick, uh, everybody's uh, least favorite person in the game industry, um, he put this in perspective a little bit because there's rumors that, um, you know, they were talking to Facebook. He mentioned maybe even like combining with EA, but it seemed like Activision was looking to sell. Um, So Bobby Kotick had this quote here um, to VentureBeat where he said, I think like you'd think, "Oh, we're this big company and have great resources." But when you're comparing Activision to, you know, 2 trillion dollar companies and 3 3 trillion dollar companies and trillion dollar companies and 4,500 billion companies, you realize we may have been a big company in video gaming, but now when you look at the landscape of who the competitors are, it's a different world today than ever before. Which is a jumbled way of saying, yeah, they seem like a big deal, but when we're dealing with the Amazons and Googles of the world, even he was thinking that they couldn't survive, so it's time to be absorbed. The the thing that I still can't wrap my mind around, obviously this was in the works for a very long time, but with Activision Blizzard in the back half of last year just getting raked through the coals, and even Phil Spencer getting out there early and saying, we're examining every aspect of our relationship with Activision after these accusations and reports, then the idea that this acquisition happens. So it must have been in the works before Phil Spencer came out and made that comment, right? Like, is there any world where they're going out and making that comment to continue to sink the stock price so they can buy this company for cheaper? That's the part that I don't understand.
2: Maybe I should take a look at them. Maybe I should reevaluate our
0: relationship. I don't
2: know. Well,
3: also, if I'm remembering correctly, I'm pulling up articles now. He never publicly made that comment that's true that is true he made it to his staff and i think when when those kind of comments were going around with like okay xbox said this to their staff and nintendo said this to their staff like the the thing that made the xbox one stand out is the idea of like evaluating all aspects of the relationship because it sounded a lot more dramatic than everyone who's just like hey like we you know don't agree with harassment we want to make sure that we don't have that here Mm -hmm. like he kind of had a more extreme statement but everyone had like that energy which I think is appropriate and what you would expect from a workplace because like, yeah, all your workers are thinking about this. You absolutely should be doing that as management. However, um, I think we all know from having existed in the world that just because your job says something doesn't really mean anything. Like I hear I've heard stuff at work all the time that, oh, that sounds good or great, but isn't really, it's hollow stuff. It's just, it sounds good. And it's like, yeah, like, you know, I want to make sure that this, th- it's like, do you? Or are you just saying something that sounds nice? Right. Um, and that's not to accuse Phil of being disingenuous It with his staff or in that email specifically. But when I heard that news, it was ve- it was very much like it's good to hear. We will see. Um, mm-hmm. And that one was weird because it was like, oh, well, are they thinking of doing something more dramatic? So then for that to end up being, you know, an acquisition, I think just is a really a reminder that at the end of the day, it's it's a business and the business is about money. And if good human things happen, that's often a happy consequence, not an intention um, and if financial L's are taken for the better of people, it's often for future financial prosperity. Um, right. So, yeah, that's kind of my read. But that was, I think that was a really big talking point for sure with this acquisition where it's like, oh, I guess you were evaluating to be With them. That's kind of weird. And, like, you know, yeah. It's bizarre.
0: Yeah. And so there are reports. uh, New York Times has a quote from Bobby Kodak where he says, post close of the acquisition, I will be available as needed. And it certainly seems as the more reporting comes out that he's, once this thing closes, that Microsoft's going to say, all right, hit the bricks. But he also has that clause in his contract where every time, or every time, whenever Bobby Kodak leaves, he gets like, what, $200 million or something.
1: It's like, it's just. (laughs) No matter what, yeah, I mean, uh, he's that,
0: making a lot of bank from this sucker.
1: That's that's CEOs in general. We've 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 seen our certain CEOs make tons of money after doing absolutely nothing but destroy companies in the past as well. It's like every every CEO leaves with a golden parachute. And I'm I i will not Necessarily blame Microsoft if Bobby Kotick ends up making a bunch of money if they actually kick him out. I'll just be happy if they actually kick him out, yeah, and replace him with with someone. And and that 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 was part of kind of everything that I was mulling over in my brain yesterday about this deal. It's like, well, you know, like Activision and Blizzard had been off my radar basically. Because of all of these problems with their company, it's like that those companies are just foobar at this point because of their leadership. And if if Microsoft does buy them and make substantial changes, like I don't I I certainly hadn't been seeing any of those changes take place when all of these stories have been coming out. It was clear that Bobby Kotick was staying in that position. This Mm -hmm. seems like one of the few opportunities where we could see big changes if Microsoft wants to make them. And I would I'm I guess I'm cautiously hopeful that they would, you know, as much as as much as you can believe in any corporation mm-hmm. that would be willing to make those changes. I guess I would hope that they would.
0: Yeah, there are weird potentials for silver linings here. Even stuff like Blizzard. You know, you, you hear for so long outside of even the you know the reports of harassment and just a terrible uh, work environment for a lot of folks in those studios. Um, here's so many reports about Activision culture encroaching on Blizzard culture over the last 10, five years. Right. And the idea is like, Oh, maybe this would stop that. Maybe the Activision culture creep would stop because now it would be a Microsoft culture creep. And so far in this era of Microsoft from all reporting, it seems like they've been pretty hands off with studios and letting them retain their own culture. So maybe in some way, this could be a new flowering for blizzard. If everybody gets their act together in the right way and changes leadership, right? But who
2: knows? Yeah, I mean, that's- the optimistic view. Right?
0: Yes, still a million questions to go. Um Like, are we going to get People that? Will
2: limit their jobs. Like, it's like, it's just going to happen, right? There's going to be redundancy. That's just going to, right? Is, <sighs> is that just an assumption, or do you think they're hands off enough that they'll be safe?
1: Microsoft has very much been hands off. You know, when they buy like Double Fine or something like that, it's you. You certainly get the get the sense that their messaging is like. We like the crazy things that you're doing, just mm-hmm. keep on doing them, but we'll be signing your paychecks now. And I feel like with Activision and Blizzard, this could be one one place where Microsoft is like, man, we could do a lot with Call of Duty if, if, now that we now that we own it. Like if it feels like a place where they could step in and kind of be more of a, you know, managing force, especially because it feels like both companies need it at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wild times. We'll be talking about this for a long time, but uh, goodbye debate for biggest news of the year for the end oh, of the yeah. year for the MinMax Awards. That's just a slam dunk right now. Uh, hey, in other world, uh, in in other world, uh, nobody saves the world came out uh, on Tuesday, and I feel so bad that it just got completely annihilated by this news and no one was talking about it because this juggernaut of, juggernaut of news hit. But this is the new game from Drinkbox Studios, who made the Guacamelee series, Tales from Space, Severed. Um, we've all been playing it, yes. Yeah. Right. <gasps> yes. Yes, um, let me, I adore this game. I have not been as addicted to a game as I am to Nobody Says the World since Stardew Valley like this game just grabbed me by the jugular like genuinely if i would have played this last year somehow it would have been in my top three for games of the year uh it is if like god of war doesn't release this year (laughs) and legend of zelda breath of the wild 2 doesn't release this year like i i think it could take my game of the year i love nobody saves the world
3: I thought you were gonna say like if God of War combined with like something else, I'm like, where's he going
1: with this? Like, <laughs> no.
3: I'm like, oh, should I play a different game? No. I I also loved it. I it it is the I mean it's kind of fun- funny because like right where it's January 19th at the time of recording this. Right. So obviously not much has come out, but currently game of the year, right? But it is honest, genuinely like. The first thing that I've been excited about this year, but frankly, also like the most recent thing I've been excited about in a little while, which that's kind of not that interesting of a take because I play like <laughs> an insane amount of games. Right. But that being said, I'm also, you know, I'm dipping into a lot of stuff. And this is the first thing that's grabbed me um, of the last things that I've, I've tried out. But um, what's everyone else's general read on it?
2: I I want to hear more about why you like it so much, Hanson, because my and it's I'm, I'm going to sound very negative, which I do not mean to be at all. But my reaction was like, oh, this is nice. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, like I was just like, fine. I don't really like switching characters. I'd rather just play as a singular character. Oh my God. What are you I'm talking like- about? OK, so I mean, that's just in general. I mean, across the board, I don't like switching characters in video games. I like to really focus on one character and really get to know them, which is maybe why this isn't clicking for me. Maybe it's just not going to be my kind of game, which is fine. But I, I want to know, I, like, I was surprised to hear how head over heels you were.
0: Oh, my that. God. I, would love to- I think I think a certain amount of it, too, um, is just going in completely blind for this thing. Like, got to code early. Sure, I'll boot this thing up. Okay, it seems to be like some Zelda-style action RPG, Zelda-Diablo fusion. Okay, got it. And then, oh, I can transform into a rat. That's interesting oh, now there's a path to unlock all of these other bizarre characters. You can turn into a horse, you can turn into an egg, turn into a magician, turn into a bodybuilder, turn into a dragon. Just like, and the fact that you're unlocking the ability with progression to get more and more of these characters, and then where it sunk the knife into me is, okay, now you can swap abilities and traits from any characters to any other characters to make this build. That's when I, I just was like, all right, well, now I just need to sit on my couch for the entire weekend and blast through this game because... My God, it is a masterclass of progression and unlocks. Where it's like, oh, it's just unlocking things, fulfilling quests, whatever. Play any Ubisoft game. There's a million quests. What's the big deal? But the way this game doles that out, as the developer Drinkbox mentioned in a new interview, just having constant little hits of dopamine of like, all right, you unlock this, you unlock this, you got this, you got this. Think of this potential. Think of this potential. It is just... It is damn near the perfect game in my mind. Like seriously, I just am nuts over this thing.
1: Jeff, um, this seems like your type of game since you like Diablo so much. Yeah, I I have only unlocked like half a dozen characters so far. Yeah, um, and not certainly not the ability to switch abilities between them. Okay, um, but yeah, I'm I guess I'm somewhere in between you and Kyle, or maybe I'm I am where Janet is at this point. Like it it's fun and it's cool and I like. I like switching to different characters in order to use very specific abilities in kind of that that Metroid way where it's like, okay, there's a small hole here. I can't get into it, but now I can turn into a rat. So therefore totally. now I can go through this. And area. like the more and, and that you go using on. Using the different abilities like that.
0: Yeah, and it's really fun that they have different quest objectives in the overworld of like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like this slug says that his wife's dead and he's I sad was and that's a question. Like, that. What a quest is? For how, the what am I supposed nine? to do?
3: Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I I think this game's great. great. Um, that's what I rated on my scale. I, I did a formal review of it. I gave it a four out of five. I have a five point scale on Pentapixels. Interesting. And um, yeah, I I loved it. I think they really did execute. You know, to what Hanson mentioned on. What their goal, it's funny because I I wrote the review and I tried to really, you know, always write that like in very much isolation. So I didn't look at any of the other stuff. And then when I was done, I was looking at like either the Steam page or like one of their like, the Xbox page, I think. And they mentioned like themselves about how good they are at like handling grind. And I'm like, oh, they're so aware of what they did well here. And I feel like that's very clear in the construction of the game. So for me, what I really love about it is... The way that progression functions, like the way I wrote about it in my review is the way that progression functions essentially as Russian nesting dolls in terms of what right. you have. So you have like the smallest progression is a quest related to your build. So it'd be something as simple as, oh, you unlock the rat, bite 15 enemies, and then boom, you get some progression from that. Um, progression basically, without getting too into the weeds, you have a couple different like ways that you progress in the game. You have, um, Leveling up your character in terms of grade, they all started at F and they can go all the way up to S. Um, with each grade, you get like more abilities unlocked. Um, and then with certain grades, you move up the character tree essentially is like the the big combat progression and then within all that you have like xp that levels you up for like oh i can now take on different areas more comfortably and you also get stars that help open the door so those are like kind of the layers of progression which all sounds like kind of complicated on paper but it works really well in practice because it's all kind of happening at all at the same time in the background right to the point where like i personally never and i, I did this all co-op uh, online co-op there's no local um uh, but i never felt like Oh man, I'm underleveled. I have to go somewhere and intentionally grind. It was just, okay, let me go ahead and um, you know, deal with let me do some other quests. Like what's the next dungeon I can do? What's the nearest dungeon level? Okay, well, let me like I have this character now. Let me go back. And as yeah. far as um like the quest lines with the NPCs, um what I really love about this game is the way they really got all the juice out of the orange of forms. So they took that form mechanic of you can shapeshift into like, you know, a rat, a horse, whatever. And they're like, what all can we do with this? And on one hand, they have, the combat really functions like puzzle solving where the solution is what your build is for a certain, object, like a certain uh, dungeon because they will have like modifiers and things on there. Right. Or for like the little quest lines with the NPCs, you have like these sort of puzzles. So like the one Hanson brought up was, um, you meet this slug who's like, Oh, my wife died. I uh, am so ridiculous. Oh, my wife died. Um, She, you know, I need I need the slug who can like basically a necromancer slug or something. But they didn't say like in that phrasing. And I was just trying to figure out. I'm like, okay, well. Maybe there's a necromancer you can unlock. Maybe it's the necromancer. And I'm like, I have a slug, but then the slug didn't have anything. And eventually I figured out the combo of, oh, they wanted me to, like, spec in this certain way. And then I can sort of embody right. this character. Yeah, um, it, it does such a yeah, good... it's just super fun.
0: Yeah, it does such a good job of motivating you to try out all these different things. And some of it's, yeah, from dungeons having specific conditions. Or like, okay, this dungeon, all the enemies uh, have, what is it called? It's basically a shell of, like, dark type. They have to be hit once with Lord. this yes a ward you have to hit him once with this type of move and then you can hit him with anything else so it's like okay i'm every character i would unlock i'm like i don't want to use this weirdo uh, the bodybuilder no good but like it gets you to try builder. out everybody and you end up liking basically the ghost i'm still a little maybe there's a world where i could really oh, get no, into the that ghost, ghost is but, good
3: you gotta hold you hold down a and you just kind of like so the thing to float that point around, too, yeah. and to Kyle to your point because i i can relate to and that's definitely like well, at the end of the day, like I don't really care like who I'm not related to this game. I'm just a <laughs> critic who's like I like this game and it's good, you know. Yeah. I, I think should, people should play it. Um but I do worry that like folks were here, oh, I have to try all these different characters. I don't want to do that. And and Kyle, if that's you, you know, that's that's fair. However, what I think really works well for this is yes, they force you to try out characters and I will say there are a few that flopped for me. Like I never clicked with the zombie, you know. Ooh. It didn't really work out for me with a few other ones. But what it does That's really awesome is even when you are playing a character that maybe you don't want to stick with and you don't end up gravitating towards you, it sometimes gives you like a combo that like sparks something for you. So like for me, like I wasn't that interested in the monk nor the monk's abilities, but I had a quest line as the necromancer that was like, oh, have a plus three attack buff and use like the monk's holy light. And I was like, okay, that seems like super difficult to pull off, but I want this XP. So sure, let me do it. And then I'm like, holy cow, this is a really good move. I never would have thought of this combination. And I like that it's sort of is very directly teaching you about the ways that you can combine and get creative. And some of those yeah. really work. And I never would have done it on my own because I'm I'm also maybe not as extreme as you, Kyle, but I also kind of feel like I find the thing that works and why change it, right? Let's just keep I like, I'm having fun, let's just stick with that. But I end up having more fun than I would have had on my own. And I think the game facilitating that fun through its construction is what makes it so smart.
0: Yeah, um, and, like, you say you don't like the, the zombie, but where it really clicks is, like, okay, the zombie has an attack, or if you attack an enemy, then when they die, they turn into a zombie, which turns into a little buddy for you, a little friendly. Uh, yeah, and then- but
3: that's just, like, the... The little what's the name of the the, for, the familiars? That's basically yes, the familiars. the familiars.
0: Yeah, but then it's like oh my god, I had so much fun in this game. But then making a build where it was all about familiars. Where it's like all right, I'm Ooh, gonna have the magician yeah. pulling out all of these freaks, the zombie biting everybody, so everybody that dies turns into familiar for me. And then you get the ability to raise the dead with a necromancer, and so I'm just raising these demons. And then like there were boss fights where it's just the entire screen is just like <gasps> like it looks like the end you of really like can't a cookie see clicker. At a certain point. No, it's kinda, amazing. Sense, it's so you good. You sense what you're
3: doing. And what What's dope, too, about this is like this, you know, and like um, it's really you know, a game like all about synergy with your build and your abilities. And what becomes so much more fun is when you do take it on co-op, it's also easier co-op because then someone dies and you don't have to restart. Because like, as long as someone else stays alive, you can respawn. Um, but I loved playing this co-op um, and did the whole thing co-op because... That It becomes so much deeper because now it's like there's the synergy with me and my build, but there's mm. also what my partner's doing and how we can work to inform each other where it's like, OK, well, maybe we both shouldn't be like, you know, melee focused. Maybe I'll do I'm going to do the range stuff and you're going to do this or like there's different, you know, as Ben mentioned, like wards or shields that enemies have. So sometimes, you know, when that, the benefit of playing co-op, too, is like I wouldn't have to have a build or be ready to, like, swap characters. Like, I didn't have to swap during combat as much because I played co-op, so I'm like, I go into an area and I'm like, I pick somebody, and then my partner has, like, someone that kind of complements that, or it, we kind of know what's going on with each other and can kind of work together in that way and, and just annihilate everything. So you do end up being a little bit OP, I think, co-op, but, like, I I'm I'm good with that I want to breeze through I want to have fun and, and yeah. figure things out so uh yeah, yeah it was I, it was really good
0: it's weird there's no local co-op maybe they'll they'll add it eventually I
3: I really want I'm like local yeah. co-op imported to ps5 like you know like that's yeah. what I'm hoping will happen right. um and I will say with the online one one sticking point for me which I think is so weird um they don't let you get too far from each other like they do that thing that they do in local co-op where if you're too far you like die oh interesting but I'm okay. like why we have different screens. Like, isn't that the point of having the different screens? That but, is, uh, you know, and I'm not a developer, but...
0: That's I, the I, reason.
3: Yeah, definitely like a, a small gripe. But um, yeah. there were some things I didn't like about it, though. I, I will say the... Um, especially towards like that mid-to-end section, I think one issue it runs into is trying to ping-pong around the map to like... Like, I liked what I have to do to get my, like, quest and my XP. Like, doing the quest is fun. Doing the dungeons is fun. Exploring the world is fun. However... Setting yourself up to do those actions can be kind of a pain because there are load screens, not super long, I'm on a Series X, sure. in between the bigger areas, and they do have fast travel, but it is Link's Awakening remake fast travel, which I feel like is not good enough, it you're is going where to you're certain going from points. one teleporter to another one, sure. which can be good enough if you have enough teleporters, but there were a lot of times where I'd, do, I'd walk over to do a quest line, now it's like, okay... Let me walk back to a teleporter. Let me look at my map. Where can I go next? What has an exclamation point? Okay, it's like you have to go through a lot of mental processing to figure out what your next thing is because the game does not facilitate quest tracking right. or waypoints. Um, and I think for me, that's like the number one thing I didn't like about the game where it did feel like, that part did feel like a slog where I felt like there's fun things happening and then i'm going in between the fun um that does get mitigated a bit with you can buy infinite quests in this game so one infinite quest you get towards the end mechanical spoilers is you mo- get xp from just moving and i'm like now i don't mind walking around the map exactly. like, you get it like, super late so i'm like <clears throat> sure. eh, you know but yeah
0: uh yeah it's uh like you mentioned it's uh not on playstation not on switch it is an xbox exclusive uh, fun times for that uh on game pass of course um but also on steam and so i'm sure it's a time thing six months or a year and eventually be out another stuff but jeff i hope you stick with it
1: yeah i want to okay good and uh i've enjoyed what i played so far I'm oh not great pooper like kyle or anything like isn't it
0: aren't you just thankful kyle that it's not a roguelike uh, okay. uh, maybe come off is not liking it i just i know was like, i know how much you loved it? If
2: anything, were just like, I,
1: "Oh, I, I gotta change people, and then I get all these new abilities." I hate that. I, I will say this: game this game has been
2: menu, some kind of action. I just if I don't, I want to avoid that as much as possible in any video game. I don't. It is a I very menu-heavy be- game. So it long. is very many, menu menu-heavy. Kyle, <laughs>
3: your mic is such a. <laughs> yeah, shit. I did know what you said though. <laughs> like we worked through it together, um, but. One thing I will say—it's it's been interesting talking to other like critics who, and now now the game's out for everybody, so just people playing the game and getting their takes. Because I will say, I wouldn't go as far as say it's a divisive game because it's a little dramatic. But yeah. um, like for me, like it's like you know great great game, right? It's four out of five on my scale. I'd give it in, like an eight out of ten on a, a ten point scale. Sure. Um, but a lot of people are more of like. I've also met some like people that are more in that okay range where they're like you know a lot of um you know people were kind of funny were like oh it's kind of disappointing like, I was kind what? of I was you know I was looking forward to it and I'm not a fan and I thought they were crazy yeah like I jumped onto a call like you know to talk to like we end up talking about it and I was blown away because I because I like the game so much and I think it is really good again it's not it's I see the flaws and I acknowledge sure. them but I love the game and. And like hearing you, Ben, before where you're like, oh, like we have codes, you know, like check it out. It's um, it, you know, pretty good. And I was like, oh, Ben, you're like totally right. I'm like, hey, y'all, you got to play it. It's, it's awesome. I'm having a great time. So I just it's to me, it's so clearly good, if not great, which I say it's great that I was kind of shocked when people were like not into it. I was like. Yeah, that what seems you talking crazy about to me. it was you know and obviously it's all it's all opinions at the end of the day but um, I really did enjoy it and I, I think a lot of people will so uh, seems like at least worth trying out based on I think general reception oh
0: big time and I'm just so thankful that it's not a roguelike I know roguelikes are good me and too. cool now but I like it's, it is built like it could be an amazing roguelike and they're like nope it's just gonna be like a, yes. a story based game short, I short run I also went here. in
3: knowing not a whole lot like I remembered seeing like I'm like oh yeah I, I did see trailers I like drink box so I was in on like I want a code to review or to check it out regardless but yeah. then when i like got it i was like oh shoot was this a roguelike please say <laughs> no because the, the the hell on a beat generally is 20 hours i did it in 17 but I, I did a co-op and i'm like i cannot beat this i cannot beat roguelikes please don't be a roguelike <laughs> just in general. This, yeah
0: i'm sure the if they dungeons made
3: a- are procedural though but.
0: yeah i'm sure if they made a sequel i, I bet it would be a roguelike because it, it feels like not. these systems are just tailor built for it but uh hey nobody saves the world is the name of that game everybody
1: um hey jeff um
0: Yes. Would, would you mind saying just something beautiful? You, then, wa-
1: you, you want me to go play it right now, don't
0: you? I don't know. Sure, let's say
1: that. Would you mind just clapping out, though? <laughs> All right, whatever. I'm going to change forms into <gasps> not being here. Uh-huh. Kelsey
4: Lewin! Hi.
0: Friend of the show. Hey. You've been on several times. You're also on The Deepest Dive for Animal Crossing, but the co-director of the Video Game History Foundation, thank you for being here, Kelsey! Thank
4: you. Thanks for
0: having me. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to talk about some old stuff, and it's like, we should probably reach out to Kelsey. We're talking old handheld RPGs. It seems like a waste not to get you in on this conversation. my jam. It really is. Yeah, I mean, you must be contacted all the time, just with people like, hey, I'm talking about this retro game or this thing in the game industry that's more than five years old. Will you just help us out with it? Is that just a big part of your life now?
4: Yeah, that happens a lot, um, but you know, it happens and sometimes people are like, well, okay, this game is old, therefore you must be an expert on it. I'm like, that's not really how it works. <laughs> I've been asked to be on a couple podcasts sometimes where they're like, okay, we're talking about the, about Super Metroid. And I'm like, well, I, I know some things about the development of that game and stuff, but like, I'm not, not also a Metroid expert.
0: Right, right. I mean, it's kind of, I guess the equivalent of, when we meet somebody and we say that we work in games, and they're like, oh, okay, so Roblox. And it's like, well, yeah. no, I don't <laughs> we'll know about that the, one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the popular games. If you want to talk about Stuntman and PS2, I'm your boy, here we go. Um, but it's a weird thing that, that bubbled up where Serial Vasquez, Kyle, and then also you, Kelsey, are all playing through Mother 3, <laughs> like, in this window. It's, really? It's really bizarre. Yeah, because you just said you were playing it, right, Kelsey?
4: Yeah, I I just beat it, like, like, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. I was playing it over, uh, like, Christmas time.
0: That's amazing. And then, Kyle, for some reason, you jumped into Mother 3, too? Yeah, I don't even
2: know. Like, it's always, it's always one that I've wanted to play. And I even downloaded the English translation years ago and got it all set up and going. And I was just like... Being picky about it, and I was like, I I want to play this on a handheld. I don't want to play this like on an emulator. I don't want to play it this way. So I bought, uh, like, someone put the the put it on a cartridge with the English translation, and I bought a Game Boy Advance SP recently to play Golden Sun. So like, I'm I'm like about ten hours into Mother Three for the first time in my life playing the English translation, which seems very good. This fan translation that was made. Yeah, and how's the game? Do it- you
4: have the latest update? of it because there was um i don't know five months ago six months ago something like that there was like an even later i think it's 1.3 and i played through 1.2 i didn't play the like i don't actually know what changed i just know that there was like another revision that came out
0: they're still iterating on this thing i don't know i guess
4: so uh how is it though
0: uh it, it's
2: it's good it's oh, good i mean there's a lot of things about it that i just didn't know because i'd never looked into the story of mother 3 like a it's like much darker than i expected it to be especially in the first few hours like some bad stuff happens and it's
4: sad
0: like it is
2: legitimately I genuinely sad.
4: cried really yeah
1: wow. actually
4: in the first 10 hours of the game cried this is okay i don't, I don't know if you did kyle you don't have to don't have to say you cried or not but I <laughs> yeah it's very sad it's very hard you're a monster stuff. if you
0: didn't kyle but it's no pressure it's no big deal either way <laughs> <laughs> i
2: i not i don't i didn't cry but i do i do understand why people would cry if that makes sense like it is it is i think part of it is also it's just a very happy looking game and like earthbound was pretty lighthearted, and to sort of be like side swiped by this event in the first I don't know two hours or something like that I was like oh th- okay this is what this game's about and it then from there it's kind of about at least as far as I've gotten Kelsey has beaten it I haven't beaten it but like it seems like it's about the idea of happiness and like what that means to oh, like what God. does it mean to be happy were you already happy before things changed in your life and what does that mean and it's like it's just not what I expected from the game but I'm I'm embracing it and really loving it and then the other thing I didn't know is that Lucas is a twin. I had no idea. What? Yeah. Weird. And his brother's name, at least in the English translation, is Klaus, C-L-A-U-S, That's which is good. just Lucas, rearranged. Very which I good, figured out good.
4: at the very end of the game, which it doesn't tell you. I just like happened to make that connection at the very end of the game. <laughs> um, I'm sense. pretty sure their names are the same in Japanese, because if you break that down into like Japanese letters, you can also still arrange those to those same... it it still works
0: right right okay yeah so we should probably back up a little bit for folks mother 3 is the sequel to earthbound the super nintendo rpg and it is number one on the list of games that people are screaming needs to be localized it's never been brought to the states uh, and a fan translation was made years ago and so you might know lucas who's the main protagonist because of smash brothers yes kyle Uh, I just wanted to quickly say,
2: one of the reasons that I just finally decided I wanted to like play it is because I've given up on it ever actually being officially released by Nintendo. I've officially assumed it's not going to happen, so I had to take matters into my own.
0: I I think that's fair. I was amazed looking into the history of this thing that it came out in 2006, which seems so (laughs) strangely late for a Game Boy Advance game. And then like, the more you dig into this, and I'm sure you're a master of this, Kelsey, but the more I dug into it, the more it just gets confusing, the idea that they were developing it for Nintendo 64, but then stop development and then start a development again, but so let's just make it 2D for Game Boy Advance. Like, how often do they stop development midstream and then say, yeah, but let's go from 3D to 2D? Like, if anything, it's the other way.
4: Yeah, I I can't think of another example. I mean, you don't... Typically... at that point, you just cancel a game, right? You're like, right. we've been working on this for years and years, and if it's not going to happen, and if it's not going to release to, you know, find its audience when we release it now, because um, they got pretty darn far with that 64 version. Like, it it was so far done that, like, there have been people at Nintendo who have said, like, it would be kind of cool just to show this, even though it's not done. It, it's never going to happen. But, like, right. that that was... That was the sentiment where it's like it's pretty close, you know. Parts of it are pretty done, and then, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure it still had a lot of polish work to do and stuff. But like, all of the bones were there, is my understanding. Like, it was, it was getting there.
0: There's there's footage out there that you can find from what mm-hmm. 1999 Space World, Um, and it's fun then because you can like line up the shots side by side and see Nintendo's pixelated remake of like that. <laughs> n64 rpg with mother 3 um but yeah it has become i i I would i wouldn't say it'll never happen like it seems really no is it too weird to release you think nowadays
4: yeah i mean i don't want to get into any spoiler territory obviously but um having played through the whole thing i just think it's far more trouble for them than it will be worth
0: do you want to shed any light? Is it what, what's weird about it? What, what are certain sections like that's so messed
3: up? I'm scared.
4: <laughs> well, again, I don't want to like get into too spoilery, but like it handles some themes and subjects in a way that um, it's changed the way that we handle them in in the past, like ten or fifteen okay. years. And also, there's some things that I think are just kind of too much for Nintendo's image like i think it's just not going to happen because they would have to find a way to explain that this thing that fits kind of outside of their image i'm not to say that like every nintendo game is just this bright happy sunshine and rainbows thing right even like breath of the wild had some you know dark undertones but it's it's a little bit more than that i feel like it gets into territory that i don't feel like they would be comfortable treading especially for like a niche game like this like it's not this will not set the world on fire like it will sell a lot because people have been anticipating it for a while but like i don't know how many copies did metroid dread sell right like coming up on a a million right and like that's probably around the realm we're talking about, and is that worth it?
0: Yeah, but Terry Crews tweeted it. about it, Kelsey. I mean, everyone's, everyone's <laughs> screaming that this needs to happen. But like, I feel like they were testing the waters a couple years ago with that Earthbound Beginnings of releasing the first game in the series on Wii U, and I'd imagine just nobody bought that one because it's... I don't know, maybe it's they weird. were... It was such a weird move, wasn't it? That they were trying to inch towards that, but everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we don't want the prequel. We want the sequel that is supposedly great, not the kind of lesser version of Earthbound that we already played. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you know what? You're more in the know, but I just think in a world where they release Star Fox 2, like never say never. It's still conceivable. And like, I, I don't know. Do you think Nintendo would really be that scared about like, oh no, people are going to write think pieces about this game is too mature and... Some things haven't aged well. I think just they'd be so happy with the groundswell of love that they would get by just announcing it, rather than intricacies of the plot three fourths of the way through, right?
4: I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a like think piece thing. I think it's like a, you know, if that becomes something that parents catch on to, and they're like, oh, Nintendo makes games like this, then Ooh. maybe they lose some ground in that in that area. I don't know. I'm Interesting. Not, I'm not a literal insider like I can't get inside Nintendo's brain and, and say for sure but if you having, can. <laughs> <laughs> but having played it I'm like yeah no this is unlikely this is- huh I'm
0: more intrigued now I
2: mean
4: me I'm going right like
0: I'm in the game
2: is I'm going to a bar get ready to bleep this Hanson getting on the titty boot oh, Kyle please can ha- cannot have that hey <laughs> titty is a
3: scientific word
0: you don't need to believe that are you taking a note i don't know i guess not look it's in a nintendo game i guess it's fair game uh it's so bizarre i
2: would love to see it like they released this is a weird thing to point out but like they released i think looney tunes like on a blu-ray recently like all the old looney tunes and they had this disclaimer from Whoopi goldberg of all people (laughs) what she's like yeah it's like she's like look we all love looney tunes thank you for buying this blu-ray But look, there's some stuff in here that's not appropriate anymore, that's racist and sexist, and it's problematic. But we didn't want to censor it. We wanted to have the historical document of Looney Tunes here presented to you. And, like, I just, that's what they should do with this. Just get Whoopi Goldberg to come in and, (laughs) like, just introduce it and be like, look, there's some things that are about questionable about this, but, you know, we want to have it for the archive. And there's a lot of people who will be really excited about it. The other thing is, if they release it, no realistically probably the majority of people only play the first hour so they don't really have to worry about
0: it. i i'm kind of <laughs> in that camp too yeah um i mean scale of one to ten kelsey where are you at for like recommending this thing if people like throwback rpgs do you think this is oh, a must
4: God, it's, it, it's a must play
0: okay damn like, it like it.
4: it's it's really good yeah um and i don't know it's not crazy long like most handheld rpgs aren't real jrpg length you right know? i wish i i wish i knew exactly what my file time was my um i was playing it on on the ds Lite because uh, i didn't have an analog pocket yet in hindsight i maybe should have waited but i don't know ds Lite's such a great way to play boy advanced games um if i had to guess it would be like 25 to 30 hours. yeah how long to beat saying so,
0: 25 yeah
4: yeah it's not too bad Uh, I I didn't have to grind much. There's like a little bit I did at the end. um, And it was a fairly easy, like, this is clearly the grind area kind of thing, you know. So, uh, yeah, not too bad.
2: Oh, just to talk about mechanically for a minute. Yeah, a couple of things. No random battles, right? Like all the enemies are on screen, which I love. Um, there's this, I, I, I don't know if it was an earthbound, maybe I've just forgotten, but there actually is a kind of a musical element to it where if you keep tapping the attack button during combat, you do extra damage, which is just like a nice fun touch. And then also you can just pr- hold down a button and like, uh, your character just sprints in any direction, which is like perfect for this kind of game where you're just tracking long distances. Cause you're not, you don't have to hold down the D pad to travel. You can just let them sprint. And it's like, it's just a bunch of little things like that that make it feel a little bit more modern than Earthbound. You know, yeah. it feels like a, a Game Boy Advance uh, JRPG. And I, like, it's more accessible than I expected it to be. And I really like it for that reason.
4: Yeah, we were... I think it's interesting that you brought up the sprinting part because I think that's the one part that feels a little old to me and, like, uh, maybe we hadn't quite figured out the standard way to sprint in a video game yet because I prefer the, like, hold down B and Pad thing because you're just more in control that way right like you don't have to you can stop sprinting at any point without coming to like a screeching halt um but I don't yeah I mean I hadn't thought about it that way I'm like yeah okay if you just need to like flex your hands for a minute or something and you know let them run sure
0: <laughs> yeah we were talking uh, on last week's episode was it was the week before about like that difference in feel between Game Boy Advance RPGs and Super Nintendo RPGs, even though they seem so similar. And somebody uh, on Twitch had a good way of describing it, and I forget their name, I'm sorry. But they said, like, yeah, it just feels like there's kind of a Duplo feel to Game Boy Advance RPGs because everything has to be bigger and bolder because of the small screen. And then in the modern era, if you're playing that on something other than the original system, it just has such a cool, big, chunky look. And that's kind of that sea of stars, je ne sais quoi, you know?
4: Well, and not just the... um small size of the screen. I think the other part is, you know, if you play something like Kyle, you're playing on an SP, which is much nicer. Um, and I'm playing on a DS Lite, which is much nicer And the analog pocket is, you know, like the holy grail, like perfection. <laughs> right. But Game Boy, original Game Boy Advance screens were very um, dark and like, they weren't a very good clear screen. So when people were making these games to compensate for that, they were using these really neon colors to get a color that ended up not actually being that neon. So, like, when I, was, I watched a little bit of you playing um, Tomato Adventure, and yeah. it's like, that's not actually how that game looks on an original Game Boy. It's not that neon because those screens do so much to like, lessen those colors.
0: But now it just it looks like it has even more style. It looks like they're trying to yeah, uh, yeah uh, melt your eyes out of their skulls with how many colors and just the vibrancy of those games. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, I lost my mind recently, and there's a game called Tomato Adventure, uh, which is the second game, I believe, from Alpha Dream, which is the studio that went on to make the Mario Luigi RPG series for Game Boy Advance and all the handhelds there. Um, and they're now bankrupt and... Had a commission, which is a sad deal. But this is the game that they made right before the first Mario and Luigi game. And it was also never brought to the States. But last year there was a fan translation of this Tomato Adventure. And so I started streaming it last Thursday and then I just couldn't stop. And on Sunday I started streaming it again and the translator jumped in my chat. Because I streamed it for on that Thursday and I had so many questions about that's such an interesting decision. Why is this translated this way? Why is this translated this way? And so he jumped in my chat on Sunday and then he was just there to answer every question about the translation of a t- uh, tomato adventure. And plus, he's played the game like over 50 times. So he just was a living. FAQ for every time I got stuck or every time I was like, should I have this attack or this party member? Who do you recommend here? And so I just didn't stop playing so I streamed it for 10 and a half hours straight on Sunday and then I finished it off on Monday so it was like 19 hours to blast through Tomato Adventure but it is so good. I adored that game. Like, had you, I assume you'd seen it before. Had you ever played it before, Kelsey?
4: No, I hadn't. Um, I mean, yeah, I've seen it several times. Um, I can't remember if I own it, actually. Uh, But we, you know, we do like import stuff in my game stores so i've had it come through the stores several times it's i think it's like a well-known you know not mother three level but it's like fairly well-known infamous like this is clearly a good game and we don't have it kind of enigma yes people are are interested in it um and i've always been you know interested in it too but i had to do mother three first because that's the one that everyone uh it's like, oh my god, you haven't played it yet.
0: Totally. And and, I, and
4: now I'm going to join that chorus of, oh my god, you haven't played it I
0: yet. know, I know. I need to get to Mother 3 sure. now. I'm just going to continue this trend of Game Boy Advance RPGs. But Kyle, I think you would like to move to Adventure. I know you jumped in the chat real quick, but like the, the whole... Well, there's a lot of things that are interesting about this game. But one of them is that there's no basic attack. All of the attacks in the game are called gimmicks. And they all have different... It's basically a WarioWare RPG where every attack you do has a different bit of timing or tapping or just like a simple puzzle you have to solve, and you get more and more of these gimmicks or attacks as you go. And it sounds, uh, pardon the pun, gimmicky, but like you become so invested in nailing these things. Like, I've never been so invested in every attack I do in an RPG, because it's always different, and it's always these little warriorware style challenges. And then there's, like, a meter building up, where if you fail, then it resets it. But if you keep going, then you basically get your limit break. And so it's just, like, there's so much pressure to, like, okay, I need to tap this, and I cannot mess this up, or I need to get this input exactly right. And the game is just this perfect blend. This is from 2002. Um, I, I always, yeah, I think I talked about it before, where I like to consider games on a Paper Mario spectrum. The closer the game is to Paper Mario in general, the better the game is. This game is so close. It feels so much like Paper Mario because I love a good comedic RPG. And this game is silly and absurd. There's just weird sequences where, you know, characters are like falling and they bump into each other and then argue about if they bumped into each other. So the game like plays it back in slow motion. Or there's just like they're breaking the fourth wall by talking about like, "Uh uh-oh. Fight music's coming up. I know what that means. Uh, I think the translator, it's not just that I'm partial because they helped me through the entire stream, did a great job as far as I can tell with this. It's pretty literal to the Japanese um, to points where it's just a lot of Japanese names and stuff that are still in there. Um, But it's still, so much of the humor is retained and it is so silly and wacky and the world's, it's all in like this tomato kingdom and the people that don't like tomatoes are banished to a town and they're called droppers. (laughs) Uh, and then you're the main character whose name is DeMille, who is in Smash Brother's Ultimate as a Spirit, you might remember. So that character at least has officially been localized. What's that, Janet?
3: I said, who could forget? Who
0: could forget DeMille from Smash Bros. Ultimate? That one spirit, it's Isabelle wearing the bunny hat. It kind of looks like the weird rabbit character that is the main character in Tomato Adventure. Um, but then you go down this in this journey, and it for a lot of it, does not involve tomatoes at all. And every single area you go to is absurd. It's like, okay, here's a toy world. Here's Mayo Town. Here's a sunken ship, but it's all Christmas-themed. Okay, here's a hotel that's also an inn, well, I guess that's the same thing. Here's a hotel, but it's also Alcatraz-themed, but then it's Jailhouse Rock-themed, and there's a bunch of recording studios in this version of Alcatraz. Here's, like, there's this sequence in this dungeon that is one of the weirdest areas I've ever experienced in a game where it is an art museum. So it's already going to be trippy and weird because there's a whole dungeon themed after an art museum. But then it goes a level beyond that, and it's you're playing through this dungeon, which is jumping back and forth between REM sleep and different layers of sleep within this art museum. So it becomes like Psychonauts-esque for just imagine an artist's dreams and then you have to try and play through that as a dungeon. It is absolutely absurd, but I really, really love it. The translation is solid, and if you want to, there's ways to get out there and play it. And I really recommend Tomato Adventure if you love throwback RPGs because it's so silly and so lighthearted and the attacks... And keeping up with the timing and evolving those attacks as they go along is just awesome. Or you can watch the whole Let's Play if you're a maniac. It's unlisted on our YouTube channel. So just go to the main channel on our YouTube page and you can find it there. But I definitely want to do something more with it. Like, Kyle, I'm curious to get your input on it because we have like the entire game captured now, right? From that stream. And so I want to do some bonus thing that kind of shows the highlights of this game. Do you have any good content ideas for how to make the most of that?
2: Uh, a highlight reel.
0: Highlight where reel. Where
2: you just kind of do what you were just doing and then but to actually show gameplay with it. Okay. I want to see what you're talking about. Here yeah. are the cool things in this. Yeah. By the way, I have a, a quick game recommendation for you after hearing how much you liked that game. Yes. Uh you should check out Mother 3. Mother
0: you like 3.
4: <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, you like things that are uh like funny and have good dialogue and interesting settings and
0: right sort of yeah. yeah and i like game boy advance rpg so you're saying mother three might be in that wheelhouse okay very interesting yeah uh i really went down a rabbit hole with the mid adventure i love it and the game's director who goes back to working on super mario rpg and stuff uh sorry for butchering his name uh chihiro fuji Fujiyoka. um he has a fascinating career like Back in 1999, he released a game called UFO, A Day in the Life. Do you know this one, <gasps> oh, Kelsey? Yeah, ch-
4: yes. Well, I haven't played that one, but I love uh, the Onion games and uh, love Delic stuff.
0: Y- yes. I had no oh idea God. that he worked on this, or That this game existed. It's like an absurd... Ch- absurd- ch- yes, yeah. there we go. Well, I'm,
4: I'm, uh, Moon is one of my favorite games of all time. It got a release a um, couple years ago finally with an English translation. Uh, really? For, like, it, it's on everything now, but at the time, I think it was just Switch and Maybe PC. Um, it is. It's a weird game. Like I'm. I'm not going to recommend it to everybody. It's one of my favorites, but it's also a weird game. And I also kind of recommend you like keep the game facts like kind of over there. If you yeah. Because I did a couple times. It,
0: it, it's it's really um, it's really great. But I went to it. Expe- I went into it expecting it to be an RPG, but it's much more of like an adventure game. That's a parody of yes. RPGs. Yes. Yeah. It's bizarre. Um. But um yeah.
3: Really quick. Here's yeah. a question. Please. How do I play? Which I know this is gonna. Th- Without people going into this, how do I, if I wanted to play Mother 3 and Tomato Adventure, how would I
4: do that?
0: Google around. What are my options? Google around and click and download stuff, <laughs> realistically. Well,
4: so, I mean, I, I'm a big ah. fan of playing things on at least sort of original, like, it's fine to play things on, on the computer. I don't, like, personally do as well with just play the emulator on the computer. I like to hold it in my hands and stuff. Um that being said, I mean, like, I haven't ever drive, so um, I make legal backups of my games, and then download the the translation patch and
0: Interesting. apply it to
4: that. Um, and then I have stuff you could borrow if you want. But uh, yeah, like, what's the most like, a, <laughs> what's the
3: closest to above the board this can be? Because like, I've that is, know, it's funny. I've never I've never played anything that wasn't in my whole life. Any game that wasn't like super officially out there mm. the closest I got was like my partner has a raspberry Pi, and like you know I, I picked it up before I was like this is an easy way to play but I'm like I'll just wait for Nintendo to never port this on their online I, I, service
2: sorry I, I just I'm sorry I, I can't be con- part of this conversation it's too controversial <laughs> oh okay. I'm sorry all right that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Present for these kind of discussions I got it. Uh, so handsome, I'm gonna have to clap out I'm so sorry
0: oh oh okay all right bye Kyle Sarah Pozorski, clapping in. Thanks for being here, Sarah. The queen of illegal activities, we like to call her. I don't know. Okay, that's i sure I
5: was just looking at the Pokemon leaks. I'm a little shell-shocked. <laughs> oh, I was
4: too. Yeah.
0: Wait,
5: oh, my you? God. No, he massacred no, my boy. What no, is this? No leak spoilers. I don't, massacred
3: no.
4: my boy. Interesting. We like, leaked everywhere.
0: Ooh, all right. Uh, so. But anyways, yeah, Kelsey, what was your recommendation for Janet's question?
4: <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, the actual above-the-board way to do this, and there is one, Um, I have... Like a ROM dumper for Game Boy stuff. It's, you can, you can also, you can borrow mine, but you can also buy them, they're pretty cheap. They're like 30 or 40 bucks. You can dump, you can make a legal copy of the Japanese game, and then you can apply the translation patch to that. Okay. So, okay, that, Complicated. Is, that is the like actual legal way to do it. Um, there's easier ways but yeah
3: you're i'm like board. a. am like a gaming prude so i'm like uh, i only like i'm still on the physical car you know i'm going to target and stuff still i'm like i can't be involved in this you know all this other stuff also i just don't the the technological like actually even though it's just googling and downloading stuff i'm like i don't know it doesn't it doesn't
4: it's not it doesn't feel right you know what i mean yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fair and i think that's like Honestly, the biggest argument for something like Mother 3 happening is, like, yeah, a lot of people, I think, would play it and are excited to play it and, like, just don't really want to go through the hassle of, like, having to learn any of that. Like, it may not even be a moral moral thing for them. It might just be, like, I don't... That just sounds like more work than downloading a game uh, on the eShop or going to Target or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there are, like... You know, people have put fan translations on carts and sold them. So if you want to just hold a physical cart that with all the work done for you, I mean not the above the board way, but that is a way. That is a way. Uh, so
3: hey, like Sarah. someone got paid. maybe it wasn't the right person, but like they did something. they did work. They now did was the work allowed? That's a different question.
0: Yeah. Sarah, uh, thank you for being here. I mean we need to ask you, um, do you know how this whole thing operates and why this thing exists? No. Well, Sarah, if you Wait, see, tag
4: me in. Tag me in. Oh, uh, yeah, Kelsey. What. Kelsey, please. Is it is it Patreon? Oh my god.
0: Thank you, Kelsey. That's right. Patreon.com slash minmax with two and everybody, if you enjoyed the show, help support the show. We appreciate it. And we have some big supporters. Not this first one, but we do have some big supporters, I swear. But here's a weird thing out of the gate is, uh, hey, we did an old-fashioned plug swap with the Fire Escape Cast. Our dear friends over there, Dan Reichert and Mike Maharty and Mary Kish, they have their Fire Escape Cast podcast. They've been on this show talking about it in a bunch of different ways. Uh, but I really enjoy that podcast. It comes out every other week. We recommend you subscribe to it on your favorite podcast app. Give it a whirl. Um, they're ideal situation for this is they wanted it to feel like staying late at bars, closing down bars and just rambling and talking about games. That is exactly what it feels like to listen to this. Like if you want to know what it's like to drink at a bar in Minneapolis with Dan Reichert and just beg the time to go faster to hit two o'clock so you can get out of the bar because you want to go home but dan can wants to keep talking about rocky because he's so excited and he has an endless amount of enthusiasms for games and rocky and everything under the sun uh fire escape cast is your way to go i definitely recommend checking it out on your favorite podcast app. So thanks to them for plugging MinMax and hopefully uh, you return the favor by checking them out. Uh, Also, thank you to other folks. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about Fantasy Flight Games. They want everybody to know about the Lord of the Rings card game. They have a revised core set, which is out right now. Uh, The game's been out and popular for like 10 years, but this is a whole revision with new quality of life improvements and now it's a great time to jump in. You know, they just released the whole Amazon intro for the new Lord of the Rings TV show. so It's a great time to go back to Middle Earth and you can check it out with the Lord of the Rings card game, which is a one to four player co-op experience. You can check that out. It's tabletop game. Also, thank you to our dear friends at uh, Diverge. They all say, hello, Bryant and Nick here from Diverge Coffee, wanting to wish you a happy new year. Thank you to all of the awesome min-maxers that supported us in 2021. We just want to ask you to please consider checking us out at divergecoffee.com and if you do use the promo code minmax for 15% off of any order of coffee we look forward to an amazing year moving forward and hope you think of us when you want coffee start your adventure with divergecoffee.com also thank you to the folks at fixture gaming they want everybody to know about the fixture s1 it is a 35 dollar thingamabob that you put on your Nintendo Switch Pro Controller, that you can slide the screen onto that so you can play on the go with the best Nintendo Switch Pro Controller. That is the Fixture S1. You can get it off Amazon. There is a link below for all that fun stuff. And, of course, thank you to the one and only I Am 8 bit They want everybody to know about the Persona 25th Anniversary Deluxe Vinyl Box Set. It is beautiful. It is a collection of soundtracks from the entire Persona series. We're talking 1, two, three, 3, 4, and 5, 15-disc box set celebrating the entire history of the entire run. It's housed in an elegant 25th anniversary slipcase. There's also a colored vinyl theme to match each Persona game. You can check that all out. You can also go to their wonderful online store where you can buy all of these uh, soundtracks individually or anything else. And if you use the promo code New Year, New Code. New year, new code, no space. Uh, you get 10% off everything that's under $100 in i8bit's wonderful online store. And because they're very generous, they're giving away a wonderful prize uh, this week to whoever has the best question in the community questions section. This is Manifold Garden on PlayStation 5. They'll ship that out. So thank you to iMateBit. Help support them. All right, ready for community questions? Great. Um, everybody's slowly nodding a little bit for the audio listeners. Okay, here we go! Well, you better look alive for this. Chris Galar writes in. He says, Howdy, everybody! Microsoft acquiring Activision is obviously the big news of the week. With Kelsey on the show, though, I thought it'd be a perfect time to ask, where do y'all believe this sits in terms of important moments in video game history? In the top 10? Top 100?
4: <laughs> I I think it might be in the top 10. It's I, Okay, I, I don't... I think it represents a very large shift that we won't necessarily see or understand the consequences of immediately. Uh Like this is the biggest acquisition ever. um, And the acquisitions have only been gaining momentum and becoming larger and larger. Um, So I don't know, maybe top 10 is strong, but like this shift is a top 10 moment and I don't, and this might be like the defining one in this shift. That makes sense.
0: Right. Until our inevitable future when we all have to choose whether we're playing games on an Amazon or a Disney, like this is right. step one towards that world.
4: Yeah, I mean, we've been laying the smaller steps for a while, I think, but this to me feels like, a, Oh no, this is really happening.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. Things are changing. Yep. Buckle up, everybody. Uh, Zach Aaron writes in with um, a very similar deep, dark question, asking, simple question, what creature from a video game would you adopt as a pet? But wait, Zach says, it comes with the realistic pros and cons that keeping said pet would entail. For instance, you could ride your chocobo around town and that'd be sweet, but you got to feed it four pounds of bird feed a day? uh gishel greens of course uh zach uh pikachu would be super cute and cuddly but with a high risk of shocking or even electrocuting you in your sleep that's true i think pokemon are out i feel like we've answered this before for pokemon so outside of pokemon what kind of freaky pokemon out?
3: i don't know it's too easy they're so, they're so already animals i think
4: they're already well, there, there are some there's some that are like just dogs but they're pokemon like the
3: keys and stuff oh, but, but pokemon are out okay um i don't like the pros and cons part because it's too realistic yeah i guess think about it if we had to think of the pros and cons part, well, now I feel bad because I, at, my first thought was, like, I like the cows from Moo Moo Meadows, but I don't want to have to, like, <laughs> keep a cow. But, like, the mm. art design, like, in the real world, like, they're the cutest, like, cows in gaming, I think, the Moo Moo Meadows cows. Whoa, but I don't want to take care of those. Cuter than the
5: Harvest Moon
0: cows? Not cuter than Harvest Moon Probably cows. not, but. This all
3: is right, the second, cow. top 10 cutest cow in gaming, I think. <laughs> Mm. Yes, I think they're in the top ten at least, top 100 if you want to be critical <laughs> about it. But um, I also like some of the creatures from Horizon Zero Dawn, but I find like that's so unethical because they like live off biomass and stuff. So, so like, like pinched me. That's not going to work, bad. right? But then they're the new ones made by oh, spoilers for Horizon Zero Dawn. Like I don't know, but they're not as destructive, I guess, as they used to be. Okay, depending,
0: right? right so right. yeah. So you're choosing kind that. of, sort of a cow, or kind of, sort of a <laughs> robot T-Rex.
3: Well, I wouldn't want the robot T Rex? This is not—it's oh. not cute. It's giant. I would is want the—I um, forgot the name of them. I think they're called gra- grazers or something. They're like—they're basically like little deer. Right. Um, those—the ones that have the blaze canisters on their back. I want those because I wanted to like horizon ride those. And yeah, the the cows of rides are on the cutest thing in that game. And you can't—that you can't use them as mounts, which I think is insane. Which chat point out how would you sit on it if they have the blaze canisters? Which I said it's a game, like it's a video game. Mm. Are you seriously saying it's unrealistic? To, the whole thing's unrealistic. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, let's see, video game creature, I'd probably go with a tomato, um, some <laughs> sort of, like the final boss from Tomato Adventure, <laughs> get that freak of nature in there, I don't it, know. Would
4: it, like, start rotting?
0: <laughs> I don't so... look, I didn't really think it through. Somebody else has a better answer for this, right?
4: Well, okay, I, I know he specifically was like, well, chocobos would be a bad choice because you gotta feed them a lot, but both of my answers <laughs> are just, like, large birds I can ride, so that's all I want to do is ride a large bird. That sounds awesome. Do you uh, think
0: Do you think it's legal <laughs> somewhere to, like, ride an ostrich? Is that yes, just something yes. a specialist there are, can there do? There
4: are ostrich riding, like, that's a thing. I think I might be small enough to, like, <laughs> be allowed to ride an ostrich. There's only, like, one place in the U.S., I think, that, like, allows it. And it's, I don't remember. It's in somewhere that would be really inconvenient for me to go off and, like, Tennessee or Kentucky or something like that. But I wanna go and ride an ostrich because I think I'm probably small enough that I wouldn't hurt an ostrich. But yeah, either a chocobo or like the loft wing or something like that from Ooh, Zelda. What is what is your deal
0: with birds? For people that aren't watching the video version, um Kelsey is living in some sort of bird sanctuary with bird slung everywhere. But you've always had them as pets.
4: Uh I mean I have one bird. Oh, I don't okay. have like I'm not like a crazy bird lady. <laughs> I just have a bird. <laughs> <laughs> i had I did have one bird when I was younger too um but haven't had them like my whole life or anything. I don't know they're just they're cool they're like um, i mean, do you see the appeal of like a cat or a human yeah, yeah i I'm a they're, lizard they're snake guy, but yeah they're like they're like small toddler cats that can fly i and guess they're like as smart. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, they're as smart and interesting as a cat or a toddler. um, And they can also cause as much trouble as a cat or a a toddler and can fly.
0: That sounds good. Uh, Pretty sweet. Would you allow us to have a new Patreon goal, which is to fund you to go ride an ostrich and we can film yes, this?
4: Yes, absolutely.
0: Loopy, know it's out of the blue Patreon supporters, <laughs> but if we can just hit this number, you will see Kelsey on an ostrich and it'll be stupid looking.
4: Are you going to come film? Is that is that the plan? Uh, yeah, I guess I have like, to. A Kelsey learns to ride an ostrich <laughs> documentary series. Or you could just,
0: we'll strap a GoPro to your head and just be like first person ostrich <laughs> no. footage. Yeah, I think it's a whole new category. Um, Sarah, you're the queen of pets. Where where are you going here?
5: I thought about it long and hard. Yeah. And I think the best answer is Palico.
4: Because they're
5: just, like, Mm. self-sufficient cats. Yeah. Like, they could bring me food. And they could, like, bring me things. So it's, I don't know. (laughs) me Palico, final answer.
0: Yeah, and it's true. Like, you never see them take a huge dump or anything right so if you never see the animals in this game do that we just assume that they don't defecate
5: off somewhere (laughs) right yeah we
4: We also don't see most of these things eat so why does that one why is that one assumed (laughs) i don't know i mean maybe
0: not the cows (laughs) and moo meadows maybe they're grazing i think you see i mean you see the things in horizons you're done i think you see most of these things eat i mean half of Final Fantasy games are you shoving greens down a chocobo's gullet? So I I think it's see, but the
3: robots don't defecate, to my knowledge, in Horizon Zero Dawn.
0: Yeah, they don't have okay.
4: No, because they're robots.
0: Yeah, just like
4: release it as steam or something. I don't know. Like Metal Gear Solid,
0: Metal Gear Solid Four. I think the robot or the the ray. What are they? The Metal Gear Geckos. They like excrete oil at a certain point. (laughs) It's a stupid scene. So. Uh, games are silly. Uh, Jim Chatterton rates in says, hey everybody, uh, how do you feel your parents shaped your gaming habits? I have a daughter about to turn one and I'm starting to think about how to introduce her to games and what rules to put in place when she gets older. I appreciate how my parents handled it. They restic- restricted how much and what I could play, but also encouraged what I enjoyed. That's nice. Yeah, how did your parents influence you all? Uh,
5: my parents, um, the first thing I ever owned was a Nintendo GameCube. But my dad was, like, pretty strict about how this was, like, a family thing and that we were sharing it and it wasn't just mine. And my mom and dad both bought games for it. I got Smash and Animal Crossing, but my mom picked out um, Wave Race. I'm so excited. No. And my dad picked out uh, Star Wars, I think it's Rogue Squad.
0: Yeah. Team? Yep. Yep.
5: And he was, like, very, he was like, Sarah, we are, this is a sharing thing. We're going to do this together This is everybody's, my dad played that game for like five minutes, got extremely motion sick, and I don't think he's picked up a game since. (laughs) Um, And my mom also doesn't want to play, like she didn't play either. So I mean, I knew going into it as like a five-year-old that this was mine. Right. Even though my parents were like,
4: we are sharing this.
5: You were not Uh, five when the
4: GameCube came out.
5: I don't know how old I was.
4: Little. (laughs) Young. I'm like, I know we're all young here. I know this is the young a baby (laughs) (laughs) yeah what were you like
3: middle school no it came out in
0: 2001
3: yeah oh shoot you know what the same oh man
5: well here's the thing
3: I mean it don't matter how old I was when the GameCube came out because I didn't get it when it came out like I got everything late so like in my mind the GameCube came out in 2003 like in in or four in my house because when I got it I was like in fourth grade or third grade when we got a GameCube
4: is it not 02 in the US? am I crazy?
0: I Might think be crazy. it's. Yeah. I think it's 2001. Look, I would never correct okay. a historian. So we would be in
3: first grade. So you would be you would be like six, six or seven. So not too far. Okay.
4: All right. Probably. Maybe I'm crazy. I. So I started with my my dad had a Game Boy, just you know, an original regular Game Boy, yeah. and um, he had a baseball game on there that he played occasionally, and then you know they all came bundled with Tetris, so it had Tetris, and then I got Pokemon Blue, and um. Oh, and Super Mario Land, and that was kind of like the beginning of my video game journey. And my parents were great because they definitely had rules in place for me, where they, you know, I couldn't have more than one home console at a time. So when I wanted the GameCube, oh. I had to give up the N sixty four. Oh my god! Um, no. Until I was in like, <laughs> until I was in like, I don't know, eighth or ninth grade or something like that, and then they chilled out on it a little bit. And I also had a brother, so it was like, okay, well, you know, I want the PS two, but they want this, like we can't we gotta we gotta, gotta change things a little bit, but they were they were fairly strict on like how much I could have and how much I could play, but never not once made me feel weird about like wanting to play video games or the types of video games I wanted to play. I mean there were things that they were like you know that's rated m and or nine or whatever but like <laughs> so there were there were like rules, but they were never like. That's a, are you sure you want to play that? That one's for boys. That's right. a boy game. You can't, pl- you know. Um, so, I don't know. I I was probably, like, in high school or college before I realized that, like, oh, a lot of the reasons that, like, more women didn't... I didn't know as many women growing up playing video games was probably because their parents were like, that's not for you. Like, that's not... You don't need to play that. Or let your brother play. that's That's his system. And kind of you know maybe not explicitly we're like that's not for girls but we're like you this is secondary for you like this is mostly your brother's thing and if he wants to let you play then fine and i never had that um and that's partially cuz i'm the oldest child i think too but uh yeah i really appreciate that cuz it almost didn't occur to me until much later in life that like oh yeah that that's nice i was able to just explore this in the way i wanted to explore it without someone telling me it's not for me. I mean, the magazines told me it wasn't for me, but it's a different story. Every <laughs> going to matter, because I can't read, so I'm like, I just see they're just, they're just
3: pictures.
0: <laughs> yeah, the pictures of, like... i saw some bizarre old, like, Game Boy ads, where it's, like, just women on beds, and, like, chained yeah, up I'm like, or wow, something. Yeah, I'm going to be
3: really hot when I grow up. It didn't, didn't pan out that way. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I look great! Like, look at me with this... Con- I have all these consoles, I'm, like, super curvy for some reason. Um, but... I'm not five feet tall. Um, For me, I really didn't have any big parental impact. My parents were, like, extremely hands-off, probably to a fault, admittedly, now that I'm, you know, older. But um, my brother was really more the person that had, like, an impact. And he was definitely more, like, hands-on in the sense that he's six years older than me. So it was very much, like, at a certain point, you know, he'd be the one watching me and he'd be the one around. And he's the one that, like, I hung out with. Like, my parents didn't really... Like, but, you know, they they worked a good amount, and then when they weren't working, they were tired. And then my dad worked like these hours where he'd leave at like one in the afternoon when I got like out of school and he would be gone the whole day. And so I would really would only kind of see him on his day off where he's like relaxing. So it was a lot of just like me and my brother. and my parents were just around like there's food and stuff, but we weren't like it wasn't very hands- on. Um for consoles, I think my first consoles were probably from my grandma. Um, my parents did eventually, I think, end up buying us consoles and they'd buy us games. Um, it was a lot of like, you'd get games and in general, you you mostly get your things during holidays. Sometimes you could get stuff like in between, but a lot of like my gaming purchases or like gifts were okay for Christmas, I'm going to ask for like these list of 3DS games and I'll get like some of them. And it was always rap. funny because under the tree, like they, my parents would always just wrap the objects. So I'm like, this is clearly a, a 3DS game because it, it's this. It's a little square. Nothing comes in this square shape <laughs> except for these, com- these, um, these games. So yeah, I think other than, you know, they weren't really a big fan of like the more mature stuff. Like they were hesitant of that. Like I remember playing GTA and like we'd switch the TV channel when my mom would walk by. And like she knew that we were probably like, playing something we weren't supposed to but like she didn't really care but it was like just don't drive over hookers in front of me because that's kind of weird but other than that it was fine there wasn't any limit on like how long we could play or anything like we also didn't have i don't know didn't game like insane hours or anything it wasn't like Kalo land party level of gaming it was just you know it was what we did and they were they were pretty hands-off with it and treated it just like any other thing like it would have been the same if i asked for like you know, when I got Techno the dog, they weren't, like, analyzing it. They're like, this is what you asked for, so sure. Like,
0: right, 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 You know,
3: every every holiday season or whatever.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, my parents are not into games at all. My dad will not touch a game. It's really bizarre. Like, he's a very nice, friendly guy, but at some point I was trying to get him into Tetris, and he's just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to refuse to even touch that controller. It's like, what?
4: <laughs> like, what are you talking about? My parents are so- into games, but you can't, uh, my parents are not into games, but, I mean, t- I thought Tetris was, like, actually universal i i thought so too <laughs> but absolutely
0: not and i what finally like Dave
4: and busters or something like would they like
0: mm, no,
4: no like ski ball or something yeah instead?
0: they're really into sequence uh the the board game if it's not yeah. sequence or Cube, sequence. um they're not interested in general
3: yo Ru- Ru- yeah like i, I don't know good. a lot of people have played room Cube. so good <laughs> underrated i feel like no one knows what that game is but yeah you got the tiles um, you got the face
0: But I tried to think of, like, yeah, it's like I had to beg for consoles. I didn't get one until, like, the PlayStation. But then I was thinking, like, well, you know, they got me an Apple II. You know, it was, like, our neighbors that we got. So that was a pretty good move on their part really early on, getting me to have an Apple II in the house. So it's like, yeah, you know what? I wanted to say they didn't do too much for me, but I guess early on, before I could even ask for it, they put this old thing that had games on it in front of me so I could play, you know, some Winter Olympics game over and over again on some old thing that I didn't even know was old, because I had no sense of what new games were. Uh, Let's see, Garrett Hullfish writes in, um, your favorite topic, Sarah. Uh, They say, with all the love for tomatoes and tomato adventure, uh, the Game Boy Advance (laughs) RPG, how do you feel about tomatoes and why do you love slash hate them? Feel free to include your favorite tomato dish. Janet, you're with me on loving tomatoes, right? Yeah. Okay,
5: good. I like tomatoes. Oh, good. Love okay. strong, but yeah, yeah. Sarah, okay. not, toma- not into tomatoes. I like tomatoes in things, but I don't like just the tomato. Right. Well, like, who if eats it's on my sandwich. Nobody. Well, like, it's like if you have it in a burger. I think it's yeah. yeah, yeah. like you know, I like red pasta sauce. I like ketchup. Yeah. I like tomatoes mm. eating things. Mm-hmm. I like tomatoes plus sugar, I guess is what I'm saying. But like, if you put like a slice of tomato on something, it's gone. Oh, it I see. Nothing. Okay. It's just like, it's like wet. Do you want to eat something wet? <laughs> no. Gross.
0: <Sometimes. laughs> I mean, cereal's wet. Is that Gross. They're exactly the same. It's exactly the same yeah, situation. Those, yeah, tomatoes the same as cereal, one-to-one. Yeah. One. Uh, yeah, I didn't talk about it somehow during that 19 hours of streaming tomato adventure. Um, but, like, tomatoes were a big part of my life because uh, ever since I could remember, uh, we had, out in the woods at my parents' place, um, they built a hydroponic greenhouse and we grew tomatoes. And so it was, like, I don't know, 150-foot. Long greenhouse and so like what re- life
5: have you been living? It's, it's
0: really weird. So tomatoes were just everywhere. Like that was my first job is I would put little stickers like our our tomato brand stickers on each tomato before we shipped it out to the store you and stuff.
3: Tomatoes were like you in like a yeah. business. Yeah, Timberlake Select. You were like growing for leisure. Like this is so basically you lived in like the Last That's of Us Two without the apocalypse <laughs> yeah. or all the weed. <laughs> Well, I think it's you exactly can like take that. care of the moo
4: moo cows. Yeah.
3: Like. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. I could totally do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> are we you had- like,
3: so are you, did you guys have like a farm? Are you like, do you have farm origins? Are you uh, like going to Stardew Valley your life after Min Max?
0: I do have farm origins. But here's the thing if I said that I grew up on a farm back home, I would get beat up, but in the cities, I can be like, "Oh yeah, I totally grew up on a farm." Because like thirty three oh, so acres, you're like a
3: farm poser for like the yeah, uh, yeah you like farmy to
0: city slickers. We had like a tractor. But we didn't have like big farming equipment and hundreds of acres, which is like really farm living where I come from. But it's like yeah, we had thirty three acres and goats and chickens and asparagus and tomatoes. That's so cool. Yeah. It's wild. Um, so, but that said, I didn't really like tomatoes growing up at all, or asparagus. It wasn't until later in life I was like, oh, those things that I was surrounded by as a kid, they're actually kind of good, especially asparagus. Um, so that's why I have a special kinship with Tomato Adventure. reminds me of my youth, I guess. The greatest tomato adventure of all. Uh, Koshimitsu writes in and says, Hey, Max, what are some of your favorite pieces of game menu music? Persona 4, Panzer Dragoon, and Jet Grind Radio start menu music are up there for me and i stayed on dark souls's character creation for a long time just soaking in the vibes i do love the character creation music in particular i feel like that's a very specific vibe where you just get it baked into your skull because you spend so much time on that screen i don't know sarah i I
4: can recall a single character creation menu music like if i've never been like wow that's bad or wow that's good i just can't they blend in for me i guess the one that
0: i thought of immediately is is cheating uh, which is South Park Fractured but Whole. Because it all of the menu music in that game, or like when you're creating a character or adjusting a character, I think they have the song that's from the show, but it's someone that's like, it's like, and it just keeps ramping up until it's just chaos. And it is the funniest song I think you could ever uh, commit to print. Um, so that jumps out to me, but that's taken from the show and inserted in a game. But I don't know. Sarah, you seemed hot on this one.
5: Oh well, I mean the undefeated champ for me is just the Wii eShop music.
0: Yeah. Like I, I guess. would like that played
5: like at my funeral <laughs> when people come. Like I wanna hear like doo 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 but yeah that's it that's the top one for me.
4: Yeah. Do
5: we know, it's undefeated? I, I know it's this? It's kind is. of an
4: undisputed top actually. Yeah. I, I don't think I can come up with anything better than that.
0: Yeah. This is putting a historian on the spot. Do we know who composed that track? I think
4: we do and I don't remember off the top of my head but it's it's one of the like it's like Kazumi Totaka or something like it that is. I don't
0: remember Yep looks like it's Kazumi Totaka Hey Kelsey Lewis, <laughs> yeah, ladies and right. gentlemen how <laughs> are you doing yeah. an <laughs> Astro A40 headset,
3: <laughs> hey. have that for you
5: but.
0: <laughs> Uh Frosted Sherbert writes in and says hey last week we my friends had a Shrek themed game day called Shrekuary.
5: Did you play Shrek Two? Uh,
0: they say they played a lot of Shrek games, so I'd imagine Shrek Shrek Two. Is that like a GameCube game?
5: Shrek Two is like the undisputed best Shrek game. (laughs)
0: Oh my god, a lot of competition. Uh, this got me wondering: what would you all consider to be the worst games you've ever beaten, and why did you stick with it?
4: Not Shrek Two. Yeah, anything but
0: Shrek Two.
4: I don't beat bad games.
0: What's like, wrong with you? Why straight now? up.
4: I I don't, I am too old for that. I'm just like, I don't like this, so I'm not going to continue playing it.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's probably some <laughs> example of like blasting through some old nostalgic game just to see it through. I'm trying to think. I want to say Desert Demolition on Sega Genesis, that Wile E. Coyote game, but I, I will defend that game by and large. I think it's actually pretty good. <laughs>
3: Um, I, uh, you're never too old to turn something you love into something you hate, I think. Uh, Mm. And that's what I do a lot here with this career. Okay. So I've played a lot of game. I've wrote credits on a lot of games that I thought were bad, purely for either, they're so short and I was streaming them, so I finished them, or, um, reviews. Because when you first start out reviewing games, um, depending on how you do it, you might be reviewing some stuff, like, think of what a smaller outlet that can't get a lot of codes and then you trickle that down to like the the most entry level writer at a small outlet that can't get a lot this is my way of saying that I have played Nickelodeon Kart Racers for review uh, and that is not a good game congratulations Uh, Candleman I don't know if I'd call that a bad game but because I think I I feel like I gave it okay or something Candleman but Candleman Uh, look it up it's a uh, I think it's a I forgot what country it developed from but it's a platformer where you play as a candle um, that wasn't—it definitely wasn't good. I don't know if it was bad. That's a little extreme. It's sitting at very uh, positive
0: on Steam, Janet. I don't know. People love the Candleman.
3: Y'all got no taste. I don't know what to say. And just to be clear—we uh, have door, said it three
0: times, so um we're in trouble.
3: Yeah, the the White Door. Uh, I would say was a a bad game. Oh, also twelve minutes. I think that game was bad, and I just rolled credits on that last year. Right. So um, I often live in the in the bad at times. I think why I finish it again. It's usually some content reason like i'm already in here and like i'm seeing it through just to see it through and get the experience and be part of the discourse for it or for you know in a practical sense like when i took on nickelodeon kart racers i'm like okay i you know i i feel qualified to do this review in terms of kart racing i want to work on i did it for the writing and stuff not because yeah. i'm like wow i'm so excited for nickelodeon Cart racers like i try to just get in as many reviews as I can because I get an extra like 25 bucks or whatever and I'm gonna make 500 a month and my rent is six and that math doesn't work so like uh, you're I'll so, review what comes across the table
0: you're so lucky Kyle isn't on the podcast anymore because I think that was a game Mill joint which he works for <laughs> he would be livid hey, if I you're mean, bashing Nickelodeon car racers on this podcast
3: this is how I keep it real with any people are listening all the time that, are, <laughs> that have made the stuff and it's like yeah I mean was it god awful honestly no but I would I would probably couch it as, as bad
0: okay hey that's fair um yeah, it's like with Game Informer, um, I never played a game for Super Replay, I don't think, which was our show where we play through a bunch of old retro games all the way through. But sitting in the room, as people are going through these bad old games and like producing the videos for it, watching Tim Turry, uh, now at PlayStation, go through both the Overblood games, specifically Overblood 2, I went back and watched some of that Super Replay not too long ago. It is so long and it is just an incoherent... Action game for PlayStation, action survival horror RPG. I don't even know what you would call that thing. Uh, but it is just incomprehensible that somebody could sit down and get through it. And somehow Tim did. Uh, so hats off to the Ultimate Gaming Champion over there. Uh, Salem111216 uh, writes in and says, Hey, Min Max, I like to think I'm pretty good at air hockey. I don't lose when I play people at an arcade. What's an arcade game that you are good at? And what's your favorite memories at an arcade? Oh boy, there's a lot there. But arcade game that you're good at.
4: Arcade game, not meaning arcade video game? I assume that would be bundled in, right? It has to be. Oh, okay.
3: I think mean, anything at Dave and Buster's. Yeah. I feel like. Right? Yeah.
4: I was once really, really good at DDR. Like, oh. Like, st- That's I the could be level good at DDR. Um, I am super out of shape now. Like, I don't have the legs don't move that fast anymore I can still like read the notes I think. <laughs> Sight read like, th- Yeah like I think I can I can conceptualize doing it but um, yeah my, my legs don't move fast enough anymore. That's
0: gotta be so bizarre. Um, it was
4: cool I was like this was when I was like 12 through maybe 14 and I would go to the game works um, where I lived in Texas and just like I had the home versions too but yeah, there's nothing like practicing on the real thing you know
0: you know you know what game's better than people would expect is that uh, GameCube-exclusive Mario DDR game. That's, like, a big production. It's actually cool. I don't like it. You Wait, what? Maybe from your <laughs> DDR expert. But I booted it up, and I was like, oh, this is, like, a produced Mario game. Like, I thought it was just be some, ke- like, cheap Michael Jackson the Experience-style cash-in where it's just, it's just DDR with Mario songs. But it's like, oh, they actually, like, rendered out new models of Mario and his friends and stuff.
4: Okay, like, from that perspective, sure. Yeah. It- okay. It is a, there's no challenge to that game whatsoever. Like it doesn't even, highest levels don't even get into like medium level DDR play. So it's DDR for normies. It was just very boring for me because I was like, oh, there's, this is slow.
0: But it's called, it's called the athletic theme. It's just not (laughs) athletic enough for you. I understand That's, that's a problem.
4: I
3: wish I could do, like I dreamed of being like that DDR person, but I like, I can't I just can't do it. I don't have the physicality for it. But I remember, like as a kid, also going to like game works or Dave and Buster's or whatever, and seeing, like there'd be like those pro level players that would be on the machine like all day because that's like all they do. Yeah. And I'd just like watch them, but like not in a creepy way. But I'd be like, damn man, they're like really good. They're really good. Um, I love. I think you could do it if you I have think the cardio. So too, but- I don't know. I mean, I'll try again. Like, and I've never been like the biggest fan of DDR. I like to pump it up more than DDR. The time of the triangles being at the angles, I prefer. Oh, weird. But I, even that, like, I don't know. I just can't. I don't think I have the rhythm enough. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm learning piano now, and like my, I just don't. I just don't think I have the sauce. I think for for arcade games, though, for the question, I feel like everyone thinks they're good at air hockey because that was my right thought. But I feel like if I went up against like other people in air hockey, it wouldn't turn out that great. I think I'm good only against the people I like live with and know that I play against all the time. Um, Other than that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I feel like the arcade, it's a lot of, uh, I I bounce off stuff pretty quickly. I feel like I'm decent at maybe the, um, maybe the game where you have to like throw the ball and you knock back the clowns.
0: Oh, okay. Knock back the clowns. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, I know you know what I'm talking about. Don't make me seem crazy. I I I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's solid. That's solid. Um, God, thinking about DDR a little bit more. I forget how it came up, If which came first. But at some point it came up that uh, Kim Wallace over at Game Informer, her fiancé, uh, mentioned that he was good at DDR. It was either that or I saw him in shorts. So it was one or the other. But <laughs> he has the calves of a madman. It's just like a bowling ball on the back of his legs. And I was like, how is that possible? And he's like, it's just DDR. Like, I've been playing DDR ever since it came out, and if you play enough of it, your calves just become ridiculous. They're like, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you to show us your calves, Kelsey, but do you think your body physically <laughs> changed from playing that much DDR?
4: When I was playing, yeah. I mean, I'm I, this is well over a decade ago now that I was like really good at this game, but. <laughs> back then yeah it was very buff like 13 year old it's <laughs>
0: <That's> so <laughs> amazing that the game can oh, do man. that that's
4: the secret <laughs> that's i need I've, secret. I've always wanted to
3: like you know just dreaming i've looked up how much like the machine like the pump it up machine costs because like yeah you, you can buy the game at home but the mat like it doesn't it's not the same right um it's like a good 10 20 grand but i'm like i don't know what if i like just didn't have an actual wedding when i grew up and mm. i
4: just
3: <laughs> bought the machine instead and we could just dance together into. In eternity i think that's a better use of the money probably
0: yeah they probably have canon and d um i think <laughs> one of those machines probably uh let's see philly eat steak says hey everybody and welcome kelsey do you think there's a specific genre of games that is most responsible for getting people into games also has this changed over time probably changed over time because right? for a while it has to have has to be like platformers and mario one right
4: is nintendo well- a genre
0: it <laughs> feels like it. I was going
4: to say, it's like, it's probably like Roblox now.
0: Yeah. You know, is
4: is video game YouTubers a genre? Because I think that's probably mm-hmm. what the actual answer is now. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Do you think I want to agree with the platformer thing, but like, what about Tetris? Like,
0: yeah. Puzzle about, games. Yeah. Like a bejeweled. About even. things
4: that are more like very easy to pick up and learn. I don't know which one does more heavy lifting.
0: Yeah, uh, my main reference point for this is, (laughs) what movie is that? There's some Disney movie where, like, the kid's in the back playing an iPad game, and it's just, like, a match-three thing. So I just assume that, like, if you have a toddler and give them an iPad, that's, like, the first type of game they're probably going to want to play, right? Is just some super babified match-three? Sarah is squinting in a just... Foul I just know how you said
5: you give a toddler you give a toddler an iPad and they want to play Bejeweled. Right, I think uh, like so. I think right. I'd rather watch YouTube. If I was a toddler, I'd rather watch YouTube on my iPad than play Bejeweled. Yeah, I, I, I guess think Kelsey's so. right that I think for today's generation, it is going to be Roblox. It's going to be more mobile games. Like all the kids lean towards more like Minecraft on phones, Roblox on phones, and then eventually now they're not. They're not even graduating to consoles. They're graduating to PCs to play Minecraft and Roblox. So that's what I would say for the generation, like the young kids today.
0: Yeah. Hey, times are changing. Uh, What do y'all like for question of the week? I like the parents shaping our gaming habits one.
4: That's what I was going to say, too, actually. All right. Good, good conversation.
0: There we go. Jim Chatterton, uh, you won the prize from im 8-Bit. That is Manifold Garden on PS5. They will ship out that physical version to you. So congratulations. Um, now it's time for something that we call Get a Lot of This. And Kelsey, zero pressure, because I forgot to remind you about this. But do you potentially have one?
4: I do. Is it OK that I'm, like, advertising? Yeah. <laughs> is it okay that it's my own? Get a load of this. Yeah,
0: you know it's kind of a double whammy because when we competed in Trivia Tower for All Stars, you also were competing for yourself again. But that's fine. Yeah, it's, it's I for, know this.
4: This is what I do. It's I, you got to do come it. Come on here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's for the sake of video game history, so we'll we'll allow it.
4: Exactly. Uh, get a load of this. Uh, the Video Game History Foundation is doing a pretty cool thing at the end of this month. Um, we're getting together a lot of the original staff of Nintendo Power um Nintendo Power magazine and they're going to be like talking about what that was like and their experiences for the first time. I mean, some of them have given interviews and stuff, but you know, getting them all kind of in the same virtual room together to share that stuff is going to be I'm really excited about it. I'm genuinely like if I wasn't doing this, I would be throwing money at the screen and and being <laughs> <laughs> being into this, but um we are selling tickets for it because it's a fundraiser because we're a charity, but yeah. uh, it is also eventually going to be made free to watch and everything because we do want to share it with people. So um, it's on Eventbrite. I can give you a link, but uh, it is uh, hmm. I wonder I wonder how I can say this in a short way. I don't really know. It's on Eventbrite if you search like the Video Game History Foundation or Nintendo Power, um, yeah. and then you also get a free ticket if you join our Patreon. I don't know if that's more or less yeah <laughs> i feel like i'm just advertising it no place, but that's it's fine. gonna be really cool and there's more guest announcements that are gonna come but um howard phillips who you might remember is like the guy with the bow tie from the howard and Nestor <laughs> comics and stuff. right right um he's a real person he'll be there um gail tilden who is like basically the one who created nintendo power uh leslie swan who was their editor-in-chief for a while and also went on to head the treehouse localization department for a long time um and jeff baffis who wrote a lot of the uh, nintendo power guidebooks and wrote for the magazine and that sort of thing too so awesome it's gonna be really cool
0: yeah that doesn't sound great there's gonna be a, a link below just send me the best link for that kelsey and we'll, we'll put cool. it below in the description for everybody it doesn't sound great Thanks
4: for letting me do that
0: well oh, of course of course uh syria you got yeah. one
5: uh yeah get a load of this on January 25th, you will now be able to buy Final Fantasy XIV again. Hey, it's a miracle. Hey. You can buy the
0: game.
5: Don't join my server if you do buy it. <laughs> Stay away from Gilgamesh. It's closed. There's already too many people. Stay away.
0: <laughs> all right.
5: That's all I ask.
0: Uh, hey, get a load of this. Uh, here's a weird one. Forgive me, everybody. Um, but I'm still going through Mary Tyler Moore show, which is fantastic. Deep in the fourth season. It's as good as it's ever been. But in an episode recently, there's a character who talked about making out. I was like, that's weird. In the 70s, they had making out, and they they called it that? So I looked into the etymology of making out. Um, (laughs) Janet, you laughed, but do you know? Do you have any guesses?
3: No, no, I'm just scared, because etymology is always like horrific, where it's like, I'm curious as to what comes next.
0: It's not that bad. Uh, It goes back to the 1930s, and it's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, of course, once you hear it. But it comes from, like, to make out like a bandit. As in, to succeed. it's like, what a weird evolution of that. Like, mm. made out is like, oh, yeah, it's I like succeeded. Scoring. Yeah, exa- yeah, it's probably that same thing, same vibe. But hey, there we go. History of making out, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Janet, what do you got?
3: I have get a load of this. Uh, this one I'm pulling just because I was obsessed with the way they couched this on Twitter. But um, the How I Met Your Father premiere came out on Hulu and the way they couched their like review or like impressions or whatever on Twitter Polygon did was it happened to me. I love the How I Met Your Mother, How I Met Your Father premiere, which I just think is hilarious. Um, and also kind of what I felt about it. Like I liked it. Okay. And I'm like, and reading their article, I think was just so interesting in the era of, um, remakes and like resurgences, like we had like Matrix come back and all these other things. And I think their article was so funny because basically in the beginning of writing it, they were like, this is what it's like to be pandered to. Like I'm part I'm the target audience. And they've like kind of captured me with this. And it's kind of messed up, but like I'm kind of enjoying it. Why am I enjoying? And then just them sort of exploring their own I I think there are um nostalgia things that Will ruin all of us a little bit, and mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of feeling caught in your own biases and not knowing how to handle that. And it's like that's weird. Like me and my family are talking about. It, we're huge How Much Mother fans. Like I watched that show the fir- when it premiered, aired like the fur the pilot episode when I was a kid. Like I was there in two thousand whatever four or something. Yeah. Um, and to see it now, I'm like. And then my brother's like. And what sucks is like now I know too. I'm part of, like, those meetings they're going to have where they're, like, viewers who watched How I Met Your Mother, like, look at Edwin's Hulu stuff. He watched How I Met Your Mother the day before, and then the next day, he's watching How I Met Your Father. The conversion works. And, um, yeah, it'll happen to us all. So if it hasn't happened to you, it will.
0: (laughs) Get ready for it, everybody. Uh, In the Discord, Mike Lynch uh, posted something in the get-a-load of this channel, which is apparently that they're making a biopic for Weird Al Yankovic. And it's uh, starring Mr. Harry Potter himself. Uh, so get ready for that coming to theaters sometime in the future. Just for the, we've
5: w- really been in a week of just consistent news that I don't want. Yeah, like fall like the Activision Microsoft. Uh, this Daniel Radcliffe is weird. Al Yankovic. Um, the Tifa Lockhart. Porn on the Italian Parliament (laughs) thing also happened. What was this? What (laughs) was this? Ninjas threatened to sue Pokimane. Like, I have been living... Ben, you asked me yesterday, like, what's it like to, you know, do I care about Activision and Microsoft? Like, there's other sh** happening in the world (laughs) at the same time. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so the Tifa thing. Yeah, what? Italian Parliament. Italian Parliament. In session. Right. Right? Somebody screen sharing. Oh, Oh, What did they have up? Oh, no. Is that... Porn of everyone's Tifa Lockhart? And apparently it played for like 30 seconds. (laughs) What? Before somebody took it down.
0: Oh my Um, god. So. (laughs) All right. Hey, good times. Uh, Hey, plugs, everybody. Uh, Kelsey, uh, you already plugged things a little bit, but where where should people go if they want to learn more about what you do all day?
4: Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at Kelse Lewin, and you can follow the Video Game History Foundation. We're at Kelsey gamehistory.org or just go to gamehistory.org uh yeah or so listen to the
0: yeah game history hour podcast Thank
4: thanks ben yeah also we have a podcast called the video game history hour uh every week we talk to some people who either did some video game history work or were living through it themselves and ben has been on several times so
0: yeah, and Daniel Dryer is just on talking about the history of GTA because of the new Noclip documentary. It is, pound for pound, the most educational video game podcast out there. It, every time I listen, I'm just amazed. And, you know, everybody yeah. else is just talking about the weekly news, and they are diving as deep as you can dive into the video game history. So it's a good podcast for nerds, and I say that with all affection. Um, Let's see. On MinMax's end, we have MinMax Council, our Patreon exclusive podcast. Um, We're changing up the format a little bit. We'll talk about that more in the future, but it's more of like a fun, big group roundtable at this point. And so we have people from the community jumping in. Leo jumped in. Leo jumped in this week to talk about the Cheaper by the Dozen series. Uh, So if you've ever wanted the deepest dive on Cheaper by the Dozen 1 and 2, it's in that episode of MinMax Council. We also talk about Troy Baker and NFTs. We argue even more about Kingdom Hearts. So check out that podcast uh, by supporting us on patreon uh janet what do you got going on
3: i was muted um also i had to i was so curious about what sarah brought up i was like let me google an article on this and then i had to turn off my google I'm safe sorry. search <laughs> because i wouldn't go through i was like why is i went to incognito for it this is crazy <laughs> anyway um Wild times on the internet. Um, for me, I just did my review of Nobody Saves the World. I also wrote an article on Wordle as well. I'm trying to write more this year. Yeah. So head over to Pen2Pixels. To that's my site. Um, and check out that review. Check out those articles. Uh, there's a Twitter account and a bunch of other stuff. So follow along to that.
0: Sweet. Sarah, what are you streaming these days?
5: We're finishing up near on my Twitch at SarahPods. You can follow on Twitter at SarahPods to see what we'll stream next.
0: Sweet, and we were going to stream Rainbow Six extra- uh, Extraction, but then I, I after I got done with the Trivia Tower, I got caught up on a thousand messages between you and Jeff. I'm about it's all melting; it's not working. Yeah, yeah.
5: Jeff couldn't get in. Oh. Ubisoft and I wasn't allowed to play by myself.
0: <laughs> Yuck. Uh, but yeah, you can still tune into MinMax streams on our Twitch channel, MinMax Show. Find us on Twitch. We're still streaming every Tuesday and Thursday. So I'll probably be streaming something on Thursday. I'm not exactly sure what. Maybe The Settlers, which is an upcoming Ubisoft game that's kind of that survival semi-RTS thing we were just talking about on the bonus podcast, Sarah, so check that out. Um, Also, yeah, we have an interview live on our YouTube channel now, which is with Drinkbox, talking about the development of Nobody Saves the World. So if you like that game, you can check that out. Uh, Also, the new episode of Trivia Tower with IGN's Ryan McCaffrey is also live. Any help sharing? That's appreciated. And Kelsey, thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Of course, whenever you want. Maybe we could all get together in the future and talk about uh, some sort of mythical land where a bunch of creatures exist or something. Mm. <sighs> Who can say? Who can say? But hey, thank you to everybody at the Thank You Crew tier over on Patreon. I'm talking about Ted Reiser, DivergeCoffee.com, FixtureGamings, Fixture S1, I Am 8-Bit, Zachary Pliggy, Ludwig Roque, Andrew Ukowitz, Drew Waranis, Andrew Valla, Beaton O'Brien, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, John Higby, The Lord of the Rings Card Game, Mr. Merge, Hello, Ron with two N's, Steve Bamdad, Clemens Zobel, Purebred Number 6, Starkiller, Spider-Dan, Preeth and Yarlagata, Journal of 99 and Chris. Thank you so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go!